Jim Goad, sir. Hello and welcome back to the kill stream. Hey guys. How you doing? Uh, before I say anything, you got a terms of service thing going on or can I just say anything? You can say whatever you want with, within reason, you know, don't. Uh, well, I mean, right. <laughs> well, some kind of just don't threaten to kill anybody or something like that, but pretty much. But I mean, are there words I can't say? I mean, I don't want to get anybody. In no, trouble. we're yeah. on rumble. So, I mean, no, not yeah. really. Um, Cause I did a video about the clan like two weeks ago and they took it off. Really? Yeah, that with no notice, no explanation. Yeah, there, there was nothing. It was just about the clan and everything being compared now, to the clan, but they just wiped it. Now, how many so, N bombs were in that one? Uh, I don't think there were any. Really? That's that's, that's specific. I mean, when you say, "What can I say?" It's basically N bombs. Can I N bomb if I'm in the mood to N bomb? If can you I want, I, I tend not to. Unless I'm start screaming yeah. drunk, which I haven't been in almost 30 days, but uh, okay, yeah, but so no, I, no I, Johnny Rebel karaoke. Or anything <laughs> like that? I won't All stop right. you. It's happened before on the show. Uh, okay, but Rumble tends not to fuck with me. They did take down one of my streams one time. Okay, uh, but yeah, we're pretty good as far as all that <laughs> stuff goes. So how you been? It's been a while. Oh, um, yeah, it has been a while. Lots of shit's <laughs> going on. What's what's new with you? Well, you down in um, Mexico? I'm in Mexico. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I like it a lot here. Of course, my, without talking about anybody in particular, my situation has changed a little bit since I moved down yeah. to Mexico. So uh, it's just me now. But uh, I still love it here. I'm in the, the Yucatan uh, in a town called Merida, which is very safe and very lovely. There are cheaper places in Mexico, but... Uh, it's very nice here. I like it a lot. It's hot. Like Your head will wind up on a pole in the cheaper places. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is literally one of the safest cities in North America. Uh, and, yeah, there are some cheaper places, like you said, but they're, they could be a little more dicey. So, you know, I'm a gringo, so I want to stay safe. So uh, I'm here in Merida. They're really nice, though. Mayan, mostly Do you Mayan speak any, any Spanish? Not really. A little bit, you know, here and there. You don't know. Right? You don't know what chupi mi verga means. No. Can you do that. All right. But <laughs> I have to learn. I'm going to. Well, when I had somebody here, it wasn't necessarily top of the list. Uh, and you know, I have Google Translate and all that stuff. And now, yeah. now it's kind of imperative though, because in Mexico, even though it's right next to the United States, not many people speak English. Now, some can understand it, but they can't converse back and forth and there are people in the tours you know like the beach and stuff like that who speak english yeah but, the but just just on site you don't look mexican right well yeah i stand out very clearly right. <laughs> it's okay. very clear that uh that i'm not from around these parts uh <laughs> and so yeah it sticks out pretty well but they're really nice here like i said the uh the mayan people i got my um residency renewed for three years the other day and i was there with my lawyer and he had forgot to dot a couple i's cross a couple t's and they let him come in there and fix it he he's told me he said if we'd have been in mexico city that's where he's from originally if we'd have been in mexico city they would have just told you to come back tomorrow and we had to wait i hours. know yeah so i think charles Manson spent some time in mexico city and he said there were people there who made him look like walt disney <laughs> but, but uh, walt disney was a nazi actually but um yeah, they're like trash dumps where like 250, 300,000 people live in Mexico City. Yeah, um, you know, I haven't been to Mexico City, but I thought about going to check it out. I think there's like 20 million people there now or something like and that. And it's, it's in a crater. Yeah. It's in a volcano crater. 
Yeah. And I remember hearing back in the nineties, they would, the air was so bad. It had like the worst air on earth. You could pay, like you could put pesos into a little machine and get a gas mask and get oxygen. And the air was so fucking bad. Yeah. The, but, the pollution and smog is terrible uh, in Mexico city. Now I haven't been there's, you know, they've, there's some tourist spots and a lot of cool stuff to see, uh, but I haven't been. I kind of just been hanging out in the Yucatan. I did go to Cancun and I went and saw uh, Chichen Itza and some of the Mayan ruins. The what is it? The um, Pyramid of the Magician. I haven't seen them all, but Chichen Itza, of course, is the big one. They don't let you climb up the steps anymore there though because the guy, the guy who was my guide, told me that I guess in like 2006 or something, some some white woman he said that too some white woman <laughs> went up to the, i shouldn't laugh because she died but she she went up to the top and was coming back down and she fell and died and so they stopped letting people go up there uh but uh it was it was pretty cool to see it's very it's a wonder well, of the didn't world. uh didn't you recently have a falling out with a latin fellow um yeah i did actually nicholas j nicholas j fuentes we can stop the pleasantries and the stories about uh mexico you know but uh yeah i did i don't really know that all i know is that there was some kind of shindig that they planned and you showed up and then were barred or something and then it it fell out I, i showed up and got served with a defamation lawsuit uh in the airport on a separate matter and um not exactly my finest hour in terms of um, cognizance and sobriety. And my big idea was to cut a video and put it out on Twitter. And um, I I said that OJ Simpson was my idol, which was misconstrued um, as in I supported his murders. I was actually talking about him not paying the judgment on his civil lawsuit, but whatever. Um, And so I was, I was fucked up, but you know, I got sober. OJ, OJ Simpson. He's not my no, no, no. definition. No, oh, it wasn't okay. OJ himself. No, no, we're 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 cool. We've always gotten along, but um, <laughs> but uh, so that happened, and and Nick Fuentes has this lieutenant called Black Swan. I forget his actual name, Alex Davidson, I think. And um, hold, hold on, a lieutenant. Yeah, lieutenant. Is that the, <laughs> do they well, have uniforms and epaulets and everything? Or? Yeah, it's homosexual, whatever it is. But uh, this guy's actually an ex-homosexual quote unquote. Uh, and so I was supposed to stay with him and long story, but I almost died getting to the airport in Cancun cause I had this rental and I was ended up wrecking it. I won't say why or how, uh, but I somehow got to the airport. It was like a, just a death defying journey to get to the airport. Then I got in, got served with a fucking lawsuit. So I called up black Swan and I said, all right, you know, where am I going to stay? And he wouldn't let me stay at the Airbnb and I was fucked up and I was like, okay, so I went to sleep, got sober. I was sober the whole rest of the trip. And I called the next day and they were freezing me out basically and wouldn't let me come over there. And I was carrying their whole website at the time. And so, yeah, it wasn't my finest hour the day before, of course, but it's like, you know, I'm going through some shit. You guys told me to come anyway, come hang out with my friends, quote unquote. And you're what just throwing me to the wolves here. And then at the same time on Twitter, you know how it goes with those minions on Twitter and some of them have 15 different accounts, but they're like attacking me on Twitter at the same time. This doesn't happen without Fuentes basically 
given the go-ahead on it and they're like attacking me no, some, somebody else told me that can, can yeah. you verify that or yeah because he said i think some of the, some of them are yeah. so fucking slavish and brainwashed i think they do anything without commands so. that's right well it's a cult we talked about it but um yeah, yeah it, it definitely was him and i've seen him do it in these private chats i was in one of them i left it so he encourages time. people to harass people oh yeah for sure yeah that, I mean, he isn't, that, isn't that isn't that illegal well, technically, I think it might be, yeah. But uh, yeah. he he sits around in, in those private chats and, and gives the order, uh, and that was happening to me. And I'd seen him do it to Baked Alaska a couple months earlier, and I took note at the time because that was supposed How, to be. Okay, now can, can I hear the details of that one? Because that guy's. I let's say when when yeah. well when Mens when Mensa passes through wherever Baked Alaska lives, they're not going to knock on his door. Well, let's put it that way. well, I get along Baked. I'll I'll demur on on that, but uh, I. <laughs> I um I took note of it because he had made some criticisms about Fuentes's association with Ali Alexander and and had some critiques of him on another cozy show and right. it was kind of mild really what he said but Fuentes came on my show actually and said he's dead to me and I was kind of shocked you know I was like oh you guys will probably make up and he's like no nah, he's dead to me I'm not fucking with him and so I took note of that though, because I was like, well, if they'll do that to Baked Alaska, that's supposed to be his good buddy, Jim, right? Like that's supposed to be his, uh, you know. Yeah, but they all, they all fall by the wayside eventually. But yeah. what, I mean, what was, so what, cause I remember seeing a trending hashtag, Nick knew, he knew that Ali Alexander was sexting yeah. young, young boys and this young boy groping movement and he didn't do anything about it or he defended him. Well, he or, knew for a long time. I can tell the whole story. Uh, he knew. I don't know, a year or two, Milo had told him. I know that's probably not your favorite person either, but he had told him, and I was sitting in a group chat, and we'll talk about the yay stuff, but I was actually in the Dominique Canes, is what they call it, and Milo was in there, and I go way back with Milo because of Gamergate and all that stuff, and, uh, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I know we've had our differences here and there, but congratulations, you know, you guys in national news, and looks like a big deal, and, you know, happy to see it for you, and, and I was talking, and somehow Ali Alexander came up okay. and, and Milo goes on this or so Ali Alexander got erect or Ali Alexander well, <laughs> they came up in okay. discussion I don't know okay. it was probably erect and a little boy's ass at that time but I don't know for sure but he came up in discussion and um Milo went on this tirade about he did this and you know that and a lot of those allegations and you know he's a pederast and all this stuff and I was like whoa and I didn't hear anything else about it though and so he brought in Nick Fuentes now come to find out he had told Nick like a year or two previously and he released the DMs of course Milo did showing that he had said all that and Nick you know, agreed with him, but kind of hand waved at the same time. And Milo was saying, well, he's just getting close to you to get close to these teenage boys. And if you don't know, there are a lot of youngsters in yeah. Nick's group, like below 18, right? Like 13, 14, 15, 16. Not uh, the majority pretty much. Or... Well, I don't know if it's the majority, but there's a decent segment, <laughs> right? Like, um, but I think it is a large portion. Yeah. Uh, and so that came up and I kind of just forgot about it and he brought Nick in. Well, Nick had the big idea. I think about five days in, he told Milo, you're going to regret what you did. And I forgot what it was now. I think he made himself. Well, because, because, uh, hold on, because Ali is the slayer of dragons, right? Yes, right. That yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Time traveler as well. I don't know if you Time traveler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you can look at the guy talk. How can anyone know that he's not? 
kind of fruity. Huh? Yeah. Well, and it turns out he admitted that on um, what's the guy's name from Red Bar? Mike, Mike from yeah, yeah, Mike from Red Bar. I'll say I forgot his last name, mm -hmm. but uh, Chat knows it. They'll remind me in a minute. But he right. went on there and admitted to dabbling uh, around like that. And I didn't see this till the summer after all this stuff happened, but it was out there, and there were a lot of rumors out there about him. But anyway, um, Nick had the big idea to stab Milo in the back, which whatever you think of Milo, not usually well, a here's, good idea. Here's the thing. You've been I mean, telling you... your secrets for years, but yeah, go ahead. No, did you? Because. Uh, Here's the thing. Like, I always thought he was kind of superficial when he was big back before his fall. He interviewed me on Gavin's site right before he left, and I he was actually a good interview. I was surprised, yeah. and he hadn't struck me as, as intelligent as he came off. But what concerned me is I saw the appearance where he was on Killstream where he holds up the little orange vault and says that I have, I have information yeah. pretty much on everyone I've ever worked with. I'm not – and again – I know how to couch this shit, so I don't get sued. But uh, why would anyone work with him after that? Well, that is one of the epic moments in Killstream history. Famous. I still see that screenshot quite often, actually. Uh, and it was live on the air. Of course, I was laughing. It was hilarious. It's epic live moment. But yeah, it uh, it could cause some concern for sure. Uh, and Nick, this was his idol, though. We went back and and looked at his writings from high school and he's glazing Milo and, and this and that. And did he ever uh, call him a faggot? No, he was praising him. And I, now he called him a faggot since, since they had the falling out, but this was like funny, funny mentor. how that works. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. oh yeah, well he's a gay Jewish pedophile now, according to Nick, but he wasn't when he was on his nuts, right? Uh, well, now and, that you mention that, and I had brain surgery 15 years ago, and radiation knocked out part of my memory, so if I don't spit it out, I'll I'll forget. But when I interviewed Nick in 2018 on my podcast, he posted it on Twitter and called me brilliant. Then last week, when he did 20 minutes about an on me about an article that had nothing to do with him that didn't mention him but he said was all about him and oliver anthony i i'll take a fucking polygraph test i still even haven't heard that oliver anthony song i've just avoided that whole thing because i don't get pulled by the nose like into all these right. news stories but he said i was above average intelligence and then <laughs> i saw a clip on twitter i haven't watched the full 20 minutes uh of a week ago, but I tried to get on the chat because I, I get messages from people. I don't seek this shit out, but they're like, hey, he says he's going to talk about you this afternoon. So I went in the chat and said, hey, little baby, I'm here right now. And I got banned. But somebody posted a little clip on Twitter and he said, oh, look at his face. You can tell he's low IQ. It's like, mm, I think I could out argue and out reason him any day, but he's he's too much of a little puss to do it. it this is the thing. I've seen this before and I've seen it with leftists from like 10, 15 years ago. They will run their fucking necks all day and all night. And you'll say, hey, let's talk. And like, oh, you're not worth my time. So which is it? I agree. And uh, I mean, you would dominate him. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. Um, you know, he he used to be and you talked about this, you know, when he first came up, you're like, oh, this guy's got a little something, right? Uh, you know, he had attitude. Right. Yeah, it was it was on. Uh, I think I told you Worski and yeah. there was this fat boomer faggot named Halsey English. And he came in, he called him, well, you know, you're a fat boomer faggot. Right. And he like, well, that. he has, he has attitude. And yeah. but I, I took him on my show to, to discuss the whole boomer thing. Cause I think it's dumb and it's like astrology. And I think it's another, and the whole point of this article that I originally did rich snobs versus poor slobs. I think the anti boomer shit, the excessive anti women shit, and we can talk about my experiences with women. No one knows how insane they are more than I do. 
But the an- the anti anti oh yeah okay the anti non Catholic <laughs> shit, the anti Southern shit, like all of it is divisive. And maybe that's a gay word, but if you actually want to build consciousness among white people, try to appeal to the leftists too, because I think leftism is going to vanish once whites become a minority, or even sooner than that if the economy collapses. And they're going to have to stick together kind of like you have to in prison. So if you're alienating every possible sector except for 12-year-old virgin repressed homosexual Catholics, you're not going to build a winning coalition. That was my whole point. And it had nothing to do with him. But since he's queenie like that, he made it all about him. Well, I said that, by the way, thank you, Kay, for just dropped a, a hundred during this interview. Very yeah. kind. Um, yeah, I, I've talked about that before, too. Um, I mean, it's just not from a coalition building you know, standpoint, that's why it's retarded. Yeah. Well, it's also, it made me suspicious. And, and look, I even said in the video I did about him, I don't like flat out calling people feds and people like this you know, federal agent, federal informant. But since it happened right at Charlottesville, when those guys actually needed support and wasn't he at Charlottesville? Yes, yes he was. And the thing is like, right. Like a dial back six months before Charlottesville, I noticed like five minutes after Trump got elected, suddenly there was this alt-right, alt-right split. Like you had the Cernoviches and the, uh, I don't even remember some of them, but they were, they were decrying like immediately when before Trump got elected, no one gave a shit. They're, They're all fighting the left. Then suddenly I'm like, this is weird. And it doesn't seem organic, but suddenly they split off. And then six months later after Charlottesville, billions of Christians moved in and insisted you had to be Christian. And that's naturally going to turn off a lot of people who aren't Christian or even not Catholic. It was specifically Catholic. Uh, so, and, and again, with the anti-women, anti-poor, it's like, to me, that's either he's being, his strings are being pulled or the people who pull strings are a okay with this guy. Yeah. And- all, all he's done is, is like, he's got, armies of virgin incels who've never seen or touched a woman who are obsessed with gay sex and talk about cock more than faggots do but that's it but he's got okay he's got his talent is he's got every 12 year old closeted homosexual virgin incel who's never touched a woman because this is the thing too when when i was on the chat last week it's just saying hey and right before i got muted and kicked off guess what he talked about for like 10 minutes gay sex like I've never he- heard him talk about, wow, look at the tits on that woman. Oh man, I'd like to bang her. It's like, if you're always talking about faggots and always talking about gay sex, never talking about even remotely finding women attractive. That's a little weird. That, that raises questions. It's kind of t- telltale, isn't it? Uh, and you- I think any, any psychologist worth their salt would, yeah, would say, I did a whole fucking comic book about this, like, God, 20 years ago. Because in prison, you, you see these guys, like, the thing is, this is weird. Like, I'd have no reason, I, you know, if I wanted to front and fake, I'd say, well, yeah, somebody tried to rape me and I, I shivved him with a pork chop bone. It's like, there was like almost no gay sex in prison. There was this little clique. There was a former Golden Gloves boxer who decided he was a woman named Angel. Legendary, and everybody respected him, but he had like 10 guys. That was it among 2,000 prisoners at Oregon State Penitentiary. And I don't know if they put something in the food or whatever, but like no no rape. I didn't hear one fucking rape the whole time. But what I noticed funny was like 
everybody was calling each other faggots <laughs> all the time. But that's something you do when you're 12. And I mean, it's something like if you mature into actually discovering pussy, you smell your first one and get one. It's like, bye guys, bye faggots. <laughs> and then you think about women for the rest of your life. But these guys are like frozen in amber at that 12 year old stage. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's very weird. And he never talks about women like that. And he's, you know, proudly incel quote unquote or asexual i've heard him say i mean it's, um, a, it's a if it's a choice it's not technically incel right yeah i, mean, I don't if, i think he's that means in, invol involuntary that's so it's like i think that's he, what he if, says to cover up being gay honestly but yeah go ahead. he could be he could be peter pan and just be asexual you know but he, for somebody why like why the constant focus on this is there i mean i go i go to walmart I go to McDonald's. I don't see all this gay sex everywhere that these guys are constantly talking about. And it's one of these things like, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden they go, I'm not faggot. It's like you're at the dentist. You know, I'm, I'm cleaning your teeth. Calm down. Nobody <laughs> asked you. You know, it, it is kind of like hilariously defensive. It is. And, and like you said, they talk about gay sex all the time. All I mean, the time. it's not a joke chat. Like he's serious and I'm serious. Like they talk about it all the time in private and in public. And we showed some of his uh, private messages and he, and he was showed Beardson. We might talk about Beardson at a certain point too, but uh, <laughs> he had showed Beardson. Sure. Oh, the, the, the guy who, whose fat, ugly lesbian looking wife dumped him for a black dude. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that let's guy. talk about him yeah that, that guy. guy okay well he okay. had taken a picture with me now i've slimmed down a lot since then you know i'm i'm lost about 80 pounds but um more than that actually but um we were sitting there at this guy's house and they took a picture of us together and, and it was uh, me and beardson and wurzel root of course i wasn't really a full groper or anything like that but i was like a jason or whatever and he's like look you guys need to not take pictures in public if you're not hot af which means hot as fuck uh and he's talking about men you know grown men uh which i've never used that term. well that's that's uh, something i noticed too i was going to bring up because they like i i already i've never heard them say wow look at that bitch whoa would i like to just ram her but they talk about I, <laughs> the 10 minutes i was in this chat before i got banned it's like look how handsome nick is he's really they, they will yeah. mention whether guys are attractive all the not time. suspicious not suspicious at all He's done that all the time, and um, there's an old <laughs> clip of him talking to this guy that, like, this shirtless dude calls in, and he just goes on and on about his physique. I was told uh, by somebody who was filming a, a documentary on him ended up not coming out um, that he he would often rant about the attractiveness of, of males and stuff like that. Um, and I have no problem believing it because he's done that in public, right? Like, I mean, it, it, it just jives with everything I know about the guy, and I don't you don't do that unless you're gay really like I don't, I don't i don't see that well well you know if here's the thing if you are gay and don't want people to know it maybe stop talking sure. about you don't want to touch women and how hot af these guys that you see are just a just yeah. a suggestion yeah yeah and then the date with catboy cammy of course i know you've seen all this stuff too but uh, yeah 
Very, very strange. Now, so what's your, I guess go over, you talked a little bit about your history with Fuentes. Uh, you can maybe uh, gloss over that a little bit and, and talk about how this current thing came up. And I told you privately, uh, I'll say it again publicly, I said it on my show too, I mean, he's not doing anything but helping you, really, right? Like, I mean, he's just giving you more attention, uh, and you've been around and on the scene forever. But, I mean, do, but, I, do I seek attention? Do I, no. hey, let me, and like, no. It's like I, I, most popular I was was probably 1993, 1994. And I honestly, when I was popular, when Time Magazine had me, and I think it was like 97, early 98, when I was on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher, I had a book out with, with uh, a major publisher, Simon & Schuster, especially when Answer Me was big in the early 90s and these people, hey, Manson, cool, you know, date rape's not cool, but I'm like, I'm doing something wrong because these people just don't get it. So in ways, I purposely fucked up things. Was popular, if, like I said, I said in my uh, The Virgin Chihuahua Has Spoken video, if popularity or wealth were ever goals of mine, I obviously would have gone about things differently. It's not like I was searching for it and then accidentally fucked up. A lot of this was deliberate. But anyway, uh, as far as history with him, the first time I saw him was on Worski when JF was on, and they had him come on, and he he just called this, uh, this palsy English guy a fat boomer fag, and I'm like, okay, he seems funny and has attitude. So I, but I, I knew he was always going off about the boomer thing. Real briefly, you can look it up: generational astrology for dummies, the day of the pillow, and the myth of boomer privilege. It lays out why I think this is a really stupid meme. Number one, the goalposts. Oh, 1945 to 1965. It's like, well, who chose that? So that means that someone who was born in 1945 is more like someone who was born in 1965 than they are to someone in 1944. And the idea that these people all chose to be, a, well, they were selfish. It's like, well, if you were placed in the exact same circumstances, are you telling me you would be honorable and righteous? You're fucking dumb. Human nature is constant. The only thing that changes is the outside circumstances. So if, if one, one generation or cohort, and, and again, these are completely made up boundaries. You know, people change every day for fuck's sake. But just to allege that they're born with a character trait or they all decided to be selfish, I guess you have to be really young and dumb to think that you really have that much control over the world. Because if you believe in elites and oligarchies and bankers ruling everything as I do, they make the fucking decisions. Did you vote for Trump? Did you get anything that you wanted from Trump except some guy cracking funny jokes and having an attitude? Everything got worse under him. It's like I've only voted for two things in my life that passed. One was in the late 80s when I lived in California. It was something to roll back car insurance rates 20%. And it passed. I'm like, yeah, democracy. The people have spoken. Then three months later, the outgoing insurance commissioner, Roxanne Gillespie, she found some loophole in the law. Everyone was paying twice as much. So that fell through. In 2016, I voted for Trump. He won. Like, yeah, and especially for me as a writer, it's like there won't be so much censorship. There'll be more opportunities, to, you know, to, to write and get paid for it. No, censorship got worse. There was no wall built. He, he promised to, to, I think, erase the national debt. It, it increased more under his reign than, than any president in history. But I'm, I'm not, ex like blaming him i don't think the president really matters and i know a lot of people they've got so much invested in this so much emotion invested in this shit that they'll they'll just snap at me it's like fine i can handle it dimwit but it's it's just a dog and pony it's it's just the, he is you know the guy who says welcome to costco i love you 
and I, I can you know, but it's like finally this guy who's the thing is, Trump never mentioned white people. I think he never addressed them as a group. Let's say that I think he once corrected somebody that said like cops kill a lot of white people too. And he, the, the two instances I know of, he said that, and then he said Al Sharpton hates white people. That's it. But he never said hey white people. But he did give after blacks rioted all summer 2020. He gave them what was it a half trillion dollars, the platinum plan. Platinum plan, yeah. Like it was just disaster, but this is this is the thing. I don't think the president really influences much besides make some making some people pissed off, the people he's supposed to piss off, and making other people feel good. And that's it. It's at this point, it's out of our hands. And I know oh, doom, whatever the fuck term you want to, but I that's my honest opinion. But any, but any, sure. I'm, I'm all over the place. No, it's fine. Go. So I had him, I had him on the show, and I, so I talked about the boomer thing, and I, I but I think it is another way to divide. It's like if you really and it doesn't the Bible say respect your elders. It does. They, they, you can go point by point in how these people like either they don't understand Christianity or they're just they don't follow it at all. But yeah, I mean it's going to if, if you know the boomers are going to say fuck you then like I hope you get raped by Muslims after a while if you're going to dehumanize <laughs> them like that, you know it's it's just dumb and divisive. But anyway, so we talked about it, and he didn't seem to get what I was saying because near the end of the thing, and you can go on jimgo.net, click podcast. It's episode 34. Yeah, we have a link to it, too. We were going to go through yeah. it earlier, bro. Yeah, yeah and uh, toward the end, he's like, well, I, I understand you're trying to defend your generation. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying the whole scheme, the whole blueprint is stupid. That's all. But anyway, so that was fine. But then, how much? this would have been like three or four <laughs> months later, and I just hate bringing up the name, Matt Forney. He was this guy, because I wrote an article in defense of degeneracy, because I thought these people had gotten like church ladies. They, they reminded me of the fucking nuns I grew up in, and, and they were sapping all the fun out of this. Because I think, I think right now the point is being white. Whites are being endangered. I don't care what you believe, what you do. As long as you get that in your mind, and you've been incarcerated at some point, that's kind of how the whites act. They just act like a tribe. Nobody cares what your tattoos or what you, they don't care who you fucking voted for. It's like, well, there are these other tribes and we can mark, you know, notice them by skin. Let's stick, you know, somebody gets hit, we all hit back. That's the way it should work. But anyway, this, this Matt, for, so I, but I thought you got like, and again, it's like the ones who are talking about degeneracy are also 24 seven talking about cock. <laughs> so it's, something psychological is going on there, you know? So uh, Matt Forney decided to pipe in and he called me a coward. It's like, and I mean, you've seen the tape of him running away from the two fags backwards on his cloven hooves somewhere in Cleveland in 2016. It's, it's a famous tape of Matt Forney and his weird Victor Buono. Uh, he's, he's got he's basically wearing a tightly buttoned tent, brown tent around himself. And he's filming and he looks terrified. And these two, oh, oh my God, what's wrong with your ankles, Donnie dear? And like he's walking back. for a guy like that to call me a coward is hilarious. There's another tape of him somewhere in a, in a subway and he, he looks alarmed and somebody's coming after him just with the phone. And he, he said that person was trying to kill him. Well, why didn't anybody try to stop him? Because everybody's just looking at him like he's a freak. So, and I, I just, I me and the girls I know because I actually know girls. I mean, this was the one that actually. One I used to joke with all the time, she was someone whose virginity I took when I was in my 50s. She was just over the line. She was nearly 19. And we used to make fun of him all the time. And his, his, his uh, sidekick, Davis Orini. And she said, Davis Orini, he talks like he has a 50-foot cock in his mouth. <laughs> so we used, we used to clown him all the time. But So this guy provokes me. And it's like, great. 
I want to debate him about this degeneracy shit because I will chop him to pieces. And you can look you can look up on YouTube a friendly debate between Jim Godin and Matt Forney with David Thorini at moderating. And we we joked about Orini too the whole time. So I contact this girl because I when I left Tacky's magazine, because I, I got a job to pay for health insurance, I hired this girl, Ann Sturziger, to to be the editor and proofreader. I, I gave her a test and she passed with flying cover. I think the girl got like 800 on, in English on her SATs. She, she, she wouldn't miss a mistake. So I knew that she had some weird run-ins with him because he wrote this 10,000 word article about, you know, don't, Hey, next boyfriend of Ann Sturzinger, like watch out and all this, you know, she had bisexual experiences, et cetera. You know, and she, her mom molested her. It's like, like that's her fault. But, uh, so I contacted him. I'm like, what's the deal with this guy? Well, he raped me and he bragged about it. And I actually found the, the blog entry. You can tell me if this is rape. I think legally it's rape. He brags. And when I confronted him on the debate, he didn't deny it. He just said, that's not rape. But he said he was fucking her in her ass. And she, and he's like, you don't like that, do you? And she said, no. And she screamed in pain. And he, he thrusted harder with his, you know, two inches of dangling fury. And I mean, he, he the thing is, I guess, I mean, I guess if you get raped in the ass, you feel it. But she says that she was so drunk that she doesn't remember anything. But she said that her boyfriend at the time and a male friend of his came in and Forney just scooted out. He didn't deny the the raping. He's the thing that he wrote, and I, I can I can dredge up the link. It's on archive.is or archive.org. He didn't deny that. But the thing is, so she preps me in all this shit, and she said he smelled like ranch dressing and this <laughs> and failure and everything. So I had all these notes, and then like six hours later. I get a text in the middle of the night. She's like, I was just raped. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, and it's, I think it's a guy in my building. And I, since he lives in my building, I don't want to call the cops. I'm like, call the fucking cops. He, he's not being friendly to you as it is. The reason she thought it was a guy in her building was late, late summer in Chicago. There was a thunderstorm and he was dry and barefoot. So she called the cops. They came, they took the story. They put her in an ambulance. They took her to the hospital so a couple days later was the debate with Forney about degeneracy. And I was, I said, like, if it comes up, is it okay if I talk about this? She said, fine. But I had some other things she said about him that had nothing to do with the rape. And I said, well, here's what a girl who knew you in the past says about you. I start reading. And I guess he realized it was her prose or something. He's like, that's Ann Sturgeon. And she's a fucking liar and a lesbian. I'm like, really? And this is why I, I sprung it on him. Because he was doing the whole trad calf thing and, you know, and just to bring up that he rapes people and brags about it. But then six months later, when the winds change, he becomes a traditional Catholic. I wanted to see, like, so if you're a man of compassion, which I guess a Christian is supposed to be, when you hear that this girl that you were once you claimed to be intimate with was raped, I just want to see how you react. He immediately denied it. He's like, fuck that. She's a liar. I'm like. He's like, bring her on, bring her on. And, and then, uh, you know, of course, I got accused of dragging a rape victim into this. I texted her, do you want to come on? Come on. And you can see it again. Friendly conversation between Jim Godin and Matt Forney. She comes on and just from the looks of her, it's like, this is somebody who was raped. She's a complete fucking mess. And they start screaming at each other, et cetera, et cetera. Then she, then she went off. Then, then the best. I mean, are you familiar with Davis Orini? Yes. Yeah, because he did. Okay. Um, I forget who his partner was, but they were doing a movie on uh, yes. Anita Sarkeesian. Uh, that's Sarkeesian how I know because of uh, I don't that know if it came out. But yeah. Well, they, I think they dueling versions because yeah, they had yeah, yeah. they had a falling out, and they each released yeah. their own version. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I was living in an apartment in in uh, south of Atlanta, 
And those two guys came over. One was Jordan Owen, this big hairy guy with a ponytail, and Orini. And uh, <laughs> the girl that I was seeing at the time, like I showed her this promo video, and she's like, that, that bald-headed guy is hilarious. I'm like, yeah, but he's not trying to be. And again, and again, like Orini came in and there were just these waves of gayness, like, you know, the heat wave you see in the summer, there were heat waves of gayness just coming off of them. And fine, like, I don't care, but as long as you're not talking like this and trying to talk about masculinity and virginity and all this shit. And also I, I found, wound up finally doing a, a karaoke video. Some people pay me from time to time for whatever reason to sing karaoke and they wanted me to do Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran, but I did Sneaky Like the Snake as Orini. <laughs> because, and you can find that on YouTube, because after a while he was clearly taking 40's side, he was muting me and everything, and he said something about, I feel like I'm talking to the devil right now. And I'm like, do you believe in demons, Davis? He's like, I believe in you, because you're sneaky. I'm like, and then I finally lost, after you know biting my lip and trying to maintain, I'm like, because you're sneaky. I'm like, what the fuck are you, Paul Lind? Everyone says you're gay. My friend Hunter says that you walk around talking like you have a 50-foot cock in your mouth. Just admit it. I don't care if you are. And it turns out that like a few years later when he was a libertarian, because these guys follow the same fucking pipeline because they have no souls. And, you know, he wound up trad calf too. But he, he posted on Reddit somewhere about, you know, I'm, I'm bisexual. I've been with trannies. I've been and I'm about to get weirder. How about that? It's like, again, I don't care. What I care about is the hypocrisy and the bullshit and the public fronting. So anyway, what I didn't expect, Forney's insane. Like after that thorough drubbing, and I, I said, here's, you, know, you want to see somebody get just beaten up live metaphorically, here it is. So I linked to it, but they blame, they blame me. Somehow his channel got taken down. They blamed me for it. And then, like, but even before his channel got taken down, the next day, Forney starts saying that uh, I was lying and me and this Ann girl lied or either that or she lied to me and I was fooled by her. She's lying about rape. And he had all these lists of evidence for why she was lying about. Oh, actually it was the same night as the Orini Forney debate that I went on the weekly sweat. Yeah. I with saw that one. So I didn't see the original one that you're talking about, but I saw a lot of the weekly the, sweat ones. The, the seven hour one, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's coming up. That in, yeah. That's coming up in a minute. <laughs> and so and I mean, they went back and forth, and, but uh, Davis Arini came on, Forney came on, et cetera. Nick was on. But again, I mean, people are saying you slaughtered those guys. But the, but the thing was that Prince Hubris, who, the guy who tried to. Nick stabbed him in the Force. back too later on, by the way. But yeah. Well, and I've heard weird, weird, unsubstantiated allegations about that guy's. Me too. Yeah. So, but again, <laughs> it's all funny how they're always, but. Uh, but he specifically bet me 50 bucks at the time that Ann wasn't raped or there already would have been a police report. But this is Illinois. I think they've got one rape lab in the whole state. It took eight months to finally get the results back. They found the guy's DNA. He was convicted of rape and he's, in, he's doing 25 years now. But anyway, so, but Forney just couldn't stop. Oh, he's lying and taunting. And, and it's like, so then, and th th I find this out. And again, this is somebody who is posing as right wing. And do you know who David Cole is? Yes, he's been on the show a couple of times. Yeah. Okay. I know him from back in the, the 90s, the world's only Jewish Holocaust revisionist. Right. We haven't talked in a couple of years. But uh, so this Ann girl uh, was going out to, to live at an apartment that was occupied by this guy, Edwin Oslin, that she used to do a podcast with David Cole with.
but it took like six weeks to get it cleaned up or something. So she's in Chicago. And here's the thing. I like women, but I'm not the type to say, hey, you were just raped. Come on, stay, stay with me in Georgia. So she made the first move. She's like, hey, I hear, you know, I, I, I don't have a place to stay, really. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of this apartment building. I was thinking, can I stay on your couch? I'm like, sure, come on down. She comes down, Forney finds this out, freaks, like sends him into DEFCON 4 or whatever level that Kanye wanted on the Jews. That's, that's <laughs> So um, she's staying with me. And again, like, and the thing about me is like beating a bitch who like hits you or just won't shut it. Like, I'm fine with that. Rape, I don't understand because my makeup is just to like me I, I can't get turned on i can't even i can't even Same. some people can but it's just yeah. maybe it's just it's not that i'm righteous it's just i don't understand it neither so like i'm not going to say hey rape rape victim who's sleeping here on my couch you want to blow me but she she made some and i'm like yeah sure okay here's here's my king bed come on in and when he found that out it, it just got worse and worse and like he was doing daily live streams about me while saying i was obsessed with him this is how sick internet culture is and it's how warped and demented and dude is one of the avatars of this i think you must realize this on some level the human brain is not ready for what the internet is no it fucks it's not it fucks, it fucks people up well i've been going through a lot of that myself i, it's, I understand it's made I understand. some of my problems that already existed worse of course, uh, of course. <laughs> so so uh so, this, so so the rape happened in august she came stayed in early september to like late november but oh the thing was the reason i the third stream even happened was forney was so freaked out that he heard that this girl that he had unrequited love for was staying with me who he tried to start a, a feud with and his friend edwin who was david cole's friend and had done an, uh, a podcast with ann uh, david cole was ho hosting ann coulter in West LA, but they're such bitter, vengeful, jilted lovers. And I had all the documentation because someone that they both had done freelance work for had like had the emails where Forney and Edwin are talking about, well, since David won't get you drinks, we, we have to like fuck this event up. And so they plotted to, to Xerox, uh, that's, that's an old term, photocopy, yeah, <laughs> photocopy uh like hey you know fight fascism this fascist and culture is speaking here they were and and they plotted and uh, and apparently from what i know distributed well he edwin did because he lived in la flyers and all these coffee shops basically encouraging antifa to wreck an ann coulter event now ann coulter used to tell gavin that she thought i would me and Don, John Darbyshire were her favorite writers at Tackies until I did an article that mentioned her and I called her bony. And then she just, oh, that's it. I, was, yeah. I was, yeah, dead, dead to her. But so I went, I went, I told Luke Ford, who's this weird guy from Australia, whose dad was this famous, he might've been a televangelist, radio evangelist, seventh day Adventist. started the porn. He was like a, the drudge. He was porn. a por porn, yeah. porn blogger. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's a, he was one of the first guys who actually kind of became internet famous. This right. was like around 98, 2000. So I contacted uh, Luke because I've been on a show a few times. I'd known him. I'd, I mean, I'd done editing for him and stuff. But uh, I said, here. so here's this evidence that Matt Forney and Edwin Oslin conspired to wreck an Ann Coulter event. So he invited me on. And I guess he told Forney. All of a sudden, Forney was on. And then a, a friend of his, uh, Bryden Proctor. Bryden started just fucking with, like, derailing oh, I remember it. I that guy. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah. Derailing it. So Luke kicked him off, but he, from what I know, he gave the link, the hangout link to all these groipers. So within minutes, Nick, Beardson, Baked Alaska, Prince Hubris, and Luke Ford did nothing to stop this. I mean, I, I had a co-host, JB Beverly of the pocket. He kicked J, he wouldn't let JB on. You can, you can see, I mean, if you find the unedited version, it went on for like seven hours. So the original reason I came on was to talk about this wrecking Antifa event, but they switched it and Beards go, hey, I want to know why, you know, you won't pay Sean, Sean McCaffrey, Prince Hubers, the money he owes you. And I'm like, because they haven't gotten the fucking results back yet. I'm like, listen, guys, so why would Ann go to the trouble of getting in, a, calling the cops, getting in an ambulance, having her vagina scraped just on the outside chance that if it's brought up, somehow her name is brought up in a podcast, <laughs> Matt might look insensitive for saying she wasn't raped. And it, like like on target, because she's a woman. And these guys are so fucking twisted about women. I mean, this is the thing. I'm the guy who did an, an issue of Answer Me that went on trial for obscenity with an article, Let's Hear It for Violence Toward Women. I went to prison for beating a bitch back. And if anybody, oh, you know, you, these guys who, well, you shouldn't touch, you shouldn't fuck them, but it's horrible to beat them. It's like, if you want to hear... A little bit of color to the story. Go to jimgo.net slash sound slash an A-N-N-E dot MP3. We played that the other you, day, by the way. If they okay, you can hear threatening to cut my head off and chop my nipples off. You'll never get away from me. You, I, you know, I got the restraining order, darling, but you don't worship my pussy like I worship your cock, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to stay with uh, away from you. You're, I'm going to have to be behind bars. You can hear it all again. That link, jimgo.net slash sound slash an with an E dot mp3 so but they they just wouldn't let up on this but they switched and forney introduced this thing and again here here's what all the groupers have been using but the thing that pissed me off and and what didn't make sense to me even at the time i wrote a book called shit magnet in prison i wrote about every ugly thing in my past and so i wrote and the, the mistake was using the word kid and fuck, I think I have the actual passage that I wrote here. But again, this is how like afraid I am of this being revealed. I fucking wrote about it. Nobody would have even known what this was about. But here, where's the? Uh... I know how that goes. Half the stories they repeat about me is shit that I told. <laughs> okay, so this said, is. From... But, yeah. And so I would have been about eighteen. He would have been at about eighteen. We would have been about seven. We both would have been about seventeen to nineteen. But. I made the mistake of using the word kid, but if you look like us boomers, Humphrey Bogart called, you know, told Lauren Bacall or whoever's in Casablanca, he was looking at you, kid, and she was in her 30s. E. Michael Jones posed with Fuentes when he was like 22 and said he's a nice kid. It just means, you know, it doesn't mean child. So here, here's the actual passage. Some skinny black kid with glasses paid me five bucks for the privilege of letting him suck my cock on the concrete stairwell to a fluorescent lit Norristown subterranean parking lot and he had his eyes closed, all worshipfully slobbering over it, and said I could fuck him if I wanted, but I said no. And the way he fawned over my bone was the same way Ardea, the fat clothing industry fag hag, fat the fag hag's a woman who hangs out with fags, uh, knelt down and prayed to it and said it tastes great when she swallowed. And she'd be cute if she lost 100 pounds. And I've never had a steady girlfriend or anyone tell me they love me. And thinking about all this makes me want to put a bullet in my head or someone else's. Okay. That's the passage they keep misquoting. And even on the weekly switch, it's like, oh, so you you blew a nine-year-old. Then it was an eight-year-old. And they're ah, like Beavis and Pud just laughing about it. 
But Luke Ford just let it happen. This was kind of an ambush. So basically, I went on there to talk about Forney and the, the rape thing and him trying to wreck an Antifa event. They focused this thing and mangled it, and they're doing it. Been doing it for like five years now. I thought the Bible was against bearing false witness against your neighbor. And he, but like, that's just sweeping that out of the way. Again, so I never talked to Luke Ford again because that was not cool what he let happen. But you can, I'm sure there are versions of it all over BitChute and everything. You can go watch it and judge for yourself. I don't care. I'm cool enough with myself that I don't need you to like me. But so that's the history. But I also know, and I started noticing that all Nick did besides gaining an army of virgin incels who think it's gay to have sex with women. And that's the thing, this, this comic book I did, Trucker Fags in Denial, these two, it's basically two trucker fags who do nothing but talk about fags, like the guys in prison I know. And the, actually, they're two, they're two fat middle-aged guys that were based on like a chef that I knew in the commissary. And these, these the older guys who would call each other fags all the time. But the plot of that is they wind up like they're truckers and there's only one motel in 200 miles and they have to share the same bed. And one of them gets aroused at the smell <laughs> of the other one's socks and they engage in all that one puts his head up the other guy's ass and almost disappears <laughs> to his ankle and everything. And one scene, you can see their denture jars in the front while they're you know sticking their heads up each other's ass in the back. But then the next day they start beating each other up and calling each other faggots. And then they go on a fag killing spree. <laughs> You know, but there was a line in that. It's like hanging around with women. They're all soft smelling and perfumey and turns you into a fag. That's why I prefer, prefer the rich, robust company of men. And it's like it was a, it was a prophecy. That's what these guys are. They don't want to touch women, but they're always talking about fags, you know, but they'll so that. But anyway, like I saw and I noticed Richard Spencer. I mean, I never I, I was on his show a couple of times. He wanted me to do some voiceovers for some Ed Dutton books he was going to pay me, but I was, I was just booked up with work. He didn't understand why somebody wouldn't take money. It's like, well, I have to work. I'm working around the clock. I couldn't, and we haven't talked in years. Dorky, rich kid, basically. I never understood just the oceans of hate because he was the leader. Yeah. And Nick just Nick made his bones on stepping on his neck and stepping on the wig gnats. And but there was also a whole class thing. Well, well, they're they're bad optics and they smell and they're southern and they're they're working class and all the shit. It's like, dude, those are the best fighters. Like we actually want some street fighters. Look at the MMA guys. They don't come from where Nick Fuentes or Richard Spencer came from. But anyway, I just I just noticed and the fact that you know Nick allowed this to happen, he was not really vocal through much of the seven hour stream. But so for five years, hey, you know, you pedophile, you should be in prison again for blowing or, you know, raping special needs, eight year old black children. And I guess it's funny, but, you know, it'd be funny, too, if I found out their names that could harass them with impunity. But, you know, they're so cowardly that, of course, because the thing about anonymity on the Internet, um, I understand if you're going to talk about the government. But it's like, hey, your wife has herpes like that, that wasn't the point of anonymity. I think the, a lot of the shit that's sick about the internet would be cleaned up in a minute if everyone had to like have a license or something. But that's just, that's a somebody who uses my own name. But anyway, over the years, there wasn't much history between me and Nick. I would notice from time to time what was, you know, what was going. I mean, yeah, he, he got a lot of attention and I'm sure he loves that. He seems to be the type of person who just like jerks off. If he's capable of even jerking off, he just, he basks in it. The chick that I went to prison over was the same way. I 
I mean, it's okay to have people compliment you, but like I said, even at the height of my popularity, it's, these people don't get me. I don't, I don't, and the people that I wound up respecting the most, Nick Bugis, my friend Sean Tejirachi, my fucking adorable, gorgeous wife, they run from publicity. And I notice people who bask in publicity, they're fucked up kind of. So never a goal of mine. But anyway, I noticed, I mean, I, I talked about uh, the cum hunter thing. It wasn't, yeah. no, it was, uh, I did, I, the episode was titled Night of a Cum Hunter, but it was that <clears throat> slap fight in his, in his rubber fishing boots with a, the guy who called him a cum hunter. Definitely not a cunt hunter, that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, and I noticed when Ali and Milo, I, I kind of talked about that. But that was it. Until, and then, but the, here's the thing. I've been writing about class differences between whites since the 90s. In the first issue of my, uh, my magazine, Answer Me, 1991, in the opening intro, I said, I'm a dangerous motherfucker, white trash with brains. Because my dad was a plumber. Uh, God, you could look at the, the article, Rich Snobs versus Poor Slobs, uh, the schism between racist right, whites, which was printed on Countercurrents and then on Un's Review. It's me posing in front of the brick row home that I grew up in in Clifton Heights, Pennsylvania. It's a working class neighborhood. My dad was a plumber, 40, 40 hours a week, a freelance plumber, 40 hours a week. He additionally worked at Gulf Oil down in Southwest Philadelphia. A guy worked himself, worked and drank himself to death, died at age 59. But also the thing is like I was one of the, there was a kid across the street who was just as smart as me. He's a doctor now. There was a kid down the street who's now the DA of Delaware County, Pennsylvania, but we all came from a working class background. But I noticed when I started going to college, like most of the kids came from a different background and they weren't beaten by their parents and everything else. So I always had one foot in each world and I never fit in in either really because I was a little too eccentric and smart for my neighborhood, but a little too angry for, you know, the, the for academia and all that shit. But um, so I never I never fit in. But anyway, I wrote about this a long time ago and I and. Because I, I was a wigger in the 80s in the sense I listened to rap music when it was actually good, when it was NWA and Public Enemy and Run DMC. And now, now yeah. it's just like baboons chanting, my dick, my <laughs> dick. Back then they cared about lyrics and everything. I can't stand any of it anymore. But um, so I was conscious of this. But I also noticed at a certain point, like, you know, it was after the L.A. riots. Uh, and black people looked at me like I was white, no matter how sympathetic I was. I was like, okay, then fuck you. And I also started noticing, too, because I, I interviewed a bunch of rappers back then. I interviewed Ice-T, Ice Cube, oh, LL Cool J, Melly Mel from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, KRS-One, like Cool wow. Modi, Cool Mode, like tons of them. All of them were late. All of them were late. Sometimes, you know, three hours, sometimes two months. Like you had to keep setting it up. The only one who apologized was KRS-One. I think the two smart, two smartest that I talked to were KR. He actually apologized. Him, him, and Ice T were, I think, the smartest. Some were just dumb as shit. But I, over overall, it's like these guys are dumb. Then I started noticing too, like, well, Jesus Christ, everywhere they go, there's poverty, and there's more poverty in Africa than there is here in, in America. And I'm from Philly, and there's some bad black neighborhoods in Philly. Like nothing down south compares. I mean, I'm in Atlanta and it's even the bluff, which is a bad area. It's not as bad as North Philly. But I started putting and But the thing is, if they're more poorer in Haiti and Africa, where there's no whites to keep them down. Then maybe they're just dumber. 
and the book, the book, the bell curve came out. And so I kind of became a race realist. So I'm getting way off topic because I'm autistic and, and blab too so much, but that, 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 that's, that's my journey anyway. But so, but yeah, the point that I'm trying to make is I was always clan, class conscious, conscious of these divisions and the like white privilege is obviously bullshit. I mean, the whites, I think Europeans that you can look on Wikipedia, like the, I think per capita, cause they don't mention Jews as an ethnic group. Per capita Indians, like dot not feather, are the wealthiest. Then I think it's Persians. Like you don't you don't get to any European ethnicity until about ten. So that's bullshit. But if you grew up with a you know in a mansion with a you know a trust fund and a giant family support network, you're going to have different opportunities in life, or at least let's say a big head start over someone who didn't, who was kicked out on his ass at nineteen. And never got anything from them since. That's just that's obvious. So anyway, I wrote and I and I'm gonna give this a speech about this, and anyone at countercurrents can vouch for this. I was talking about this theme and talking about giving this this speech, which is coming up in a little over a week in Dallas. I'm not gonna tell anybody where, but um just this theme, because I think you're alienating just like if you talk about how women, especially white women, are fucked up or all not cat, you're gonna push those people away. And if it's all about optics and you don't like people who don't wear suits, you're going to push those people away. If your goal really is to have white people saying, hey, I don't really give a fuck how you dress, you're white. That, that to me, should be the goal. So I wrote this article. I said, it's a problem. It's a schism. <laughs> I, again, haven't even heard the Oliver Anthony song. I did not mention Fuentes once. But then I wake up about, I don't know, what's at this point? So it's two weeks ago. Yeah. Everybody's like, he wrote something about you on Telegram and he's, he's seething and I'm seething and coping and, 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 you know, and then he did 20 minutes about me, calling me a loser. And I'm just, you know, and then these people, these olive, they're just whining and, and that I encourage them to just give up and say, there's no help. And it's like, you can read the article, rich snobs versus poor slobs, the schism between racist rights. Nothing is, I said, responsibility is important. I've definitely made mistakes in my life. But also, I, I never wanted to be popular. That was not my goal. I, I wanted to just speak my mind and put my name on it. But I said, the thing, the thing I said, this, the thing is, because Fuentes and some of these people, they have such a basic bitch, 1980s, Ronald Reagan, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You can make it if you want it. That's bullshit. Because really, since then, a lot of this shit's been offshored opportunities are, are, I mean, tons more non-whites vying for the jobs. And if you look about, you really look at it, immigration historically was a way to bust up unions and bust up the white working class. That's why Detroit's such a wreck now. Henry Ford brought black workers up from the South to bust up all these white unions. And I don't care how you feel about unions. The, the point is that multiculturalism is a way not only to fuck up the poorer classes, but have them at each other's throats and blaming each other. These are simple points, but as far as the bootstrap thing goes, I said, it's hard to pull yourself up by the bootstraps when the boot factory was moved to the Philippines. <laughs> but Fuentes either didn't read the article because he did say he was name searching the replies and a couple of people I said, that. I think this, yeah, so, you know. Well, because he had been catching well, shit for this exact thing and we had criticized him on it and a lot of other people because he had been on a rant like he has been before about you know poor whites and saying all the shit you're saying so but he, here's the he, thing he was prickly it, already about it yeah, but here's yeah because he's very very thin skin. Yeah. but the thing is what's if he wants to scream about jews or white liberals then why do you have the exact same attitude about poor and working class whites and especially southern ones 
that you do that liberal Jews and liberal whites and every black person in the world does. Because in my Redneck Manifesto, which was published in 1997, I wrote it in 96, I uncovered some evidence that slave owners, once they kicked all the white slaves off the plantations, encouraged black slaves to make fun of white trash. I've been told that he has this theory that, you know, blacks only act that way because they learn from the poor whites. It's like, yeah, go watch them sticking their, their fist up to the elbow up a cow's ass in Africa and come, get back to me on that. Like such obvious bullshit. He seems to be like someone who pretends he's educated, but he only knows games and, and online culture. I mean, it's easy to pick apart anything he said. So anyway, <laughs> and again, I didn't even watch the 20 minutes. I actually subscribed to trans, some transcription service that would just take the video and take the audio. And because and, those are the passages I, I quote in the article that I wrote the next week. It's like, okay, I didn't write an article about you, but listen, vain little Cinderella Here's an article all about you called The Virgin Queen Chihuahua Has Spoken. And I just, it's like, it just came out like diarrhea. It's all the things I dislike about this guy, how fucking dishonest he is, how soft he is, how in an actual, in an apocalypse, he'd be, they'd be roasted, they'd be roasted Fuentes on a spit in like five minutes. The guy has no, he's so soft and so protected, he would have no survival skills. So when I'm here, you know, in that scenario, he'd be the fucking loser. If he grew up in my neighborhood and had abusive parents, I'd like to see, you know, but it's all genetics. And it's like, don't talk about genetic mutants when you're a fucking test tube baby who have ne never actually matured into a man. You're, you're caught in some Peter. You're always going to be Peter Pan with a high pitched voice. But anyway, so I did this. I did an article about it. And I guess Kino Casino, I know you're not friends with those guys, but they, oh. they took like an hour going over this 15 minute video. And so it was the other day, it would have been Monday, Tuesday. At this point, it all, like Travis Bickle says in, in Taxi Driver, the days blur into one another. But I'm getting messages on Telegram. Yeah, he's going to do a live stream about you. And uh, so I, I go in and, you know, and again, while he's walk, talking about gay sex, I, I go in the chat. I'm like, hey, why don't you debate me? I'm right here right now. Why are you going to talk? You know. And I was muted within 10 minutes, kicked off, and, you know, you can't respond anymore. I was told, I have not listened to it, that he went on for about two hours about me, that I'm ugly. I'm a, it's like, interesting that you notice male features, fella. And then, you know, the, the boy groper army, you, you rape nine-year-old black boys and you should be in prison again. And, you know, the same stupid, dishonest, cowardly, anonymous bullshit that they've always done. Now, Elijah Schaefer is now a contributor at Censored.tv, Gavin's Network, where I've had a show for three years. He contacted him and he said he's not into debating me one-on-one. -on -one. Now, Gavin, Gavin's back on Twitter. He brought it up. He would like that. to see it. He would like to see it. But I haven't heard anything. Here's what I propose. It's like, let's, if you want to actually talk about what I talked about in the article, I think it might actually be instructive. Let's have two rounds. One where, like, we say what we think about this and why, and he can go into his whole, it's, well, it's eugenics and they're just lazy and they're smelly and we should wipe them out and we should only have virgin, half Mexican, rich kids. It's like, good luck building that world, but just keep it civil. And then, and then the, the second half, let's insult the shit out of each other. I would win both rounds, no doubt in my mind. 
Well, he doesn't really have the fire in the belly anymore. He routinely turns down stuff like that. And, uh, you know, used to, that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning, where it's like he used to have some kind of fire, and now he's too afraid of, you know, the emperor has no clothes type moment. But like uh, I said, too, it's cold. But what he'll do is he'll say, well, you know, you're a nobody. It's like, then why did you yeah. just do two streams about me right. when I didn't even fucking talk about you and you, you took an article personally? And why did you sick your little boy army on me? Like, you can't have it both ways. If I'm just ignoring Well, he that, obviously holds you in some kind of esteem or he wouldn't even care, right? Like, uh, if well, it's here's, some here's, rando. Like, here's, I mean, obviously I'm not the wisest person. But I have accrued some wisdom over the years. As far as test scores, I've always done great on like standardized tests. Wisdom retarded. One of the psychological principles I picked up, and this was mm -hmm. this was about the girl who put me in prison, because because her whole alibi that she gave three different stories as to why I beat the shit out of her. I'll tell you the story. I, I mean, she was so relentless with the violence. I got a restraining order against her. You know, when they tell, oh, he beat up a stripper who was his wife. I was never married to this chick, number one. But she, you can listen to these voicemails. That's a psychopath. And I, I had every guy she'd ever fucked in Portland willing to, oh, yeah, she smashed all the windows out of my house, et cetera, et cetera. So, so what do you do in this case? Like, I mean, I, I'm glad I beat the shit out of her. But anyway, what happened was that day, and, and I was stupid, and again, not wise. My first wife was dying. We got divorced. I was with this girl. She was clearly a mess. But in my mind, I had failed for 11 years with this wife. I didn't want to fail again. I'd been a year with this girl. The one thing about the girl, besides being psychotic, she was a hell of a lot of fun. We had incredible amounts of fun. But I, I didn't want to just fail. But it got so sick that I went. I mean, it was one morning in May of 98. I tried to get her out of my apartment. She wouldn't leave. And she's screaming at me. And the landlord who lived downstairs is like, knock it off up there. So I'm walking down. She's pummeling me on the head. I'm like, Russ, get her out of here. She won't leave. And she's screaming. He finally gets her out. He, Russ comes back in. I'm like, well, Russ, at least she's gone. The minute I said gone, smash. She took a neighbor's shovel, smashed my car windshield. I'm like, all right, you fucked up. I'm like, Russ, call the cops. I go out. She starts screaming. She latches on with her teeth. To my chest and hangs from her like her feet off the ground from her teeth from my chest cops said it was the worst bite mark they'd ever seen and the, the cops like they took her and she said oh he raped me so i know all about women lying about this she, she thank fuck she recanted 10 minutes later but they took us both down booked us and uh i mean the cops said to me it's like oh boy you've got a real gem there i'm like i know i know and so like, yeah, but it's emasculating during that week. I'm like, okay. And I, I figured if I have a restraining order, she'll calm the fuck down. It's me and like three dozen chicks with black eyes in the, in the, uh, in the courtroom. I get the restraining order. It's a matter of public record. I said, I fear what would happen to me. She's repeatedly threatened to kill me when I broke up with her. I fear what would happen. And so I get the restraining order, but idiot that I am. I mean, I, I remember she called me once. I picked up and we're talking. I looked down. I'm hard as a fucking rock. Little pearl of pre-cum. It's like, fuck. But we got together again. But over the next three weeks, it was just roller coaster. The same shit. Then as I can gather, you can relate to this sort of shit. Yeah. But it was the final day. It was, I got a job. I was trying to get my life together. And I, uh, I, I had a job. I had this 89 Ford probe. And I went out to lunch and I got totaled. And I hit my head against the windshield 
And the next day, me and her took a bus up to North Portland to see a doctor I knew to see if I had a concussion. And we were taking the bus back. I didn't have a concussion. And she said something annoying like chicks are want to do. And I said, her name was Sky. I'm like, Sky, you're not the one. All right? You're just not the one. It's over. And like, you ever see oatmeal boil? Like the uh, bubbles? Yeah. Like her, her face started bubbling like that. And so she starts wailing on me, punching me. And that's back when I had hair, grabbing my hair, punching me, left a bite mark on my, my elbow, screamed, et cetera, et cetera. But that, you know, when a woman hits a man, it's hilarious. Everybody's like, oh, you guys should go on Jerry Springer, et cetera, et cetera. And, but this was the third time, the third incident in the three weeks since I got the restraining order that she attacked me. And I remember I, I went home, I called the cops. It was the third time I called the cops. But me, I guess I've got that convict spirit because, I, I mean, I don't think the government should really be involved in this type of shit for the most, unless someone's, you know, severely injured. It's, they just make money on this shit and it's twisted. So three times I called the cops, three times I said, forget about it, let her go. And I remember being in, in jail facing 25 fucking years thinking that was the dumbest thing you ever did was to tell them to. But the thing is, probably since it's Portland, there was just a case in Portland where some black chick, Charday McDonald, she took her baby, waterboarded it, put it in a freezer. She got 30 days. Like they tried to give me 25 years. So anyway, I called the cops, told them, but again, and this is all written about in my book, Shit Bagnet, which you can buy at jimgo.net. <laughs> like I went out cruising, like it was a Thursday night, like went to the, you know these bitter divorcee bars where it's easy to get laid, but it was Thursday night. You know, it was early. The guy was sweeping up an idiot me. I went, went over and I said, you know, how you doing? She's like, oh, Jim, you know, and we made up. And it was the night that Phil Hartman got killed by his wife, I'm Saturday really Night Live. It was that night. And she was saying, yeah, well, you know, he deserved it because he cheated on her. I'm like, but anyway, we went back home and this is one of the creepiest things I've ever, like I stuck it in her and this weird voice came out of her. That wasn't her voice. She said, you know, I, I, yeah, I just know how I am. I really love sex, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was just a crazy. And again, I'll cop to how stupid and crazy all this was. I fell asleep like an hour and a half later. I woke up. I said, get up, get out. Let's go. And this is crazy. We're both fucking crazy for this. I'm taking you home. And to her credit, she kept her mouth shut for 15 minutes as I drove her home. And I'm like, you know, I don't know why you're, you're fucking nuts. And it's it. And so finally I said, I, I pull up to her apartment building. I'm like, I'm going to go find someone who's not as crazy as you instead. And you can look at my mugshot. It's probably jimgo.net images, mugshot, gif, gif, however you fucking pronounce it. I've got scratches all over my face. She lunged at me and scratched up my face i grabbed her wrists and i thought why the fuck does she take have to take it here and she's screaming you'll never get rid of me etc and a black dude walks up and the only reason i'm saying it's a black dude because back then this is portland and you yeah, knew the five yeah. you knew the five black dudes they were called the trailblazers <laughs> and uh and you know we're rocking back and forth the black dudes you guys okay and you know i'm such a vengeful psychopathic you know, woman, I'm like, no, we're cool. Cause I still didn't want to send her to jail. This is at this point, like, so the third incident was early in the day. So she's, this is now four times she's hit me since I got a restraining order. I watch him go in the building. I turn back, wham, she fucking punches me right in the nose. I see blood coming out in the rear view mirror. I'm like, you want to play, scare someone to death? Okay. Healed away, drove her up the hills north of Portland. I'm left-handed. My right hand's basically useless. I was punching her with my right hand the entire time. And she started, then she was sorry and scared. And please, God, please, Jim, don't. God, I'm like, 
fuck you. This has been a, a year of insanity with the background of my ex-wife dying. It's like, yeah, I'm, but this, this has happened to me twice in my life. I've beaten someone so bad their face starts changing right in front of your eyes. And you get this instinctual primal sense like if I hit this person two or three more times, they're going to die. Instead, up in the hills north of Portland, I stopped, said, get the fuck out, and dropped her off. And I, I was arrested like three days later. I thought with all the evidence I had, I had no criminal convictions. It was going to be a, a walk in the park. Nope. Since I was this notorious author who did this magazine about suicide that was blamed on the suicides of three British kids, uh, Francisco Martin Duran, who shot at the White House in 94, quoted a line from the murder issue. Uh, the rape issue went on trial. So I was this notorious character in Portland when Portland was bad, but not as bad as, as it is now. I was a sacrificial lamb. They tried to give me 25 years. She fucked up the case. Plus, the, another thing that fucked up the case, she she kept changing her story. Well, when, when she called 911 up in the hills, she went into somebody's house. Why did he do this? Oh, he's crazy. You know, I don't, I don't know. Then three days later, she got a dress on and went down, talked to the detectives. Why did he do this? Well, officer, I... I turned to him and I said, you know, oh, that's okay. You're breaking up with me, but I'll tell the cops about your domestic violence. And officer, he just lost it. His, his eyes glazed over and he, he just went insane. It's like, that's bullshit because my first wife had said I'd hit her, which I had. Like I copped everything I fucking do. What, what annoys me, maybe I shouldn't even signal this to people is when they lie about it. It's like, I give you plenty of shit to hate me about. You don't have to make shit up. Like you, you've got a buffet right there. But, uh, and then m- months later, the Spin Magazine, when they used to have that, this was a rock music magazine, big magazine, like uh, Bob Guccione Jr., the son of the guy at Penthouse. He was the editor. They did a six-page article about it. And uh, she said, oh, I was going to tell him, I was going to tell the world that even though he did this redneck book, he's not really white trash, and he just lost it and beat the hell out of me. Because she, she didn't think I came from meager means. Even though her family, her, her dad was some professor and her mom was some, I think she was a professor too. She came from better background than I did. But anyway, so he, the whole struggle that ties into this current shit is, for most of my life, I've been trying to convince these leftists who, who believe all white people are privileged that I came from a working class background. And now these right-wingers is like, oh, well, you come from that and you're inferior and you're trash. That's like you can't win with these assholes. So uh, that's <laughs> you really can't. And I'll just let you go there. I, I, I just wanted to get all that out there. I don't think we talked about the full thing uh, on the show before anyway. And I know that they nah. try to th- throw it out there. And I, that's the same line I use, really. It's like, you know, most of the shit that's usually gets me is shit that I've told people. Right. Like, I mean, right. it, it's or wouldn't not even, a wouldn't even know. Yeah, it's like it's not a secret. Um, why do you even have to make up shit about me? There's well, plenty of shit out there to to use that that I've talked about. Uh, but so like I told you the other the other day, it's like one thing they don't realize is in order to beat a woman, you actually have to be in the same room with one, <laughs> and you actually also have to have one that loves your cock so much she'd get violent if you leave her. Of course, these guys can't relate to that, even though they have cock on the mind. They they. <laughs> They've never had a woman worship theirs. Tough to be them. Now, let me read some of these super chat questions. And then I have a <laughs> few too. Uh, and we might skip over a few, but uh, I had a, a couple super chat questions. Uh, says Uncle Jim, and this is from Kafer, by the way. Shout out to Kafer. If you have any questions, super chat them in powerchat.live slash the Ralph Retort, Rumble Rants, any of that stuff. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that. Uh, Uncle Jim says, How do you do it all on your own? Gav has Ryan, you're all alone. Great production. 
How often do you speak to Gav, Gavin McInnes? Uh, I'll hang up and take my answer off the line. God bless. He said. Okay, real quick. I mean, Vice Magazine, you know, that's where Gavin made his yeah. bones. Uh, started sometime in the mid to late 90s, I believe, up in Montreal. It was originally called The Voice of Montreal, then was Vice. The reason it was started was Gavin and I think Sarush Alvi, the former Pakistani heroin addict, <laughs> Sarush was a huge fan of my magazine Answer Me. Answer Me had a lot of of hype back in the 90s. It was in national magazines and everything. Gavin loved it too, so they're like, let's do a magazine. So that's where he got the idea. And then Shane was basically wow. the market marketing guy. That's the guy who took over later on, but yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. After but I always felt bad about this, and Gavin and I never really talked about this directly, but um, you know, I in the when Vice started and started flourishing, I was in prison and I got out and I worked for a porn magazine in in uh in Portland. And then I left that because somebody, one of my writers wrote an article called, it, it started off with a sentence, strippers are garbage and all the strippers freaked out. And uh, <laughs> so I quit, I quit that, but I, I needed work. And I saw that there was this magazine called Vice that was inspired by Answer Me. And I'm going to drop an, is it okay to drop an N-bomb because it was the subject of the, sure. the article? I sent, a, sent an email to editor's advice, the subject Line, the subject header was niggers on speed and then i just said now that i've got your attention i'm jim goad from answer me i need a job i'd like to write and gavin wrote back oh my god i'm not worthy of course yeah you, know, you can write and so i wrote basically an article a month for them for about a year and i wrote about my encounters with the anti-racist skinheads in portland that's a whole other story i think it's still on the vice website skinheads against white people they were coming after me and they because i was wearing I still got one, an iron cross. It just it does, has no political significance to me. I like the way the iron cross looks. But uh, I did this article. Gavin said, you know, in your Redneck Manifesto, you talk about white slavery in the colonies and how not everyone came over as a slave owner. That was numerically impossible. We're doing an issue, a rainy day book for kids. So can you do like a like you're addressing kids, like it's highlights for children and talk about slavery? So I did an article called, Hey Kids, It's Time for Some Smart Facts and Dumb Myths About Slavery. And it was 1,200 words. And, you know, addressed that only, you know, the only slaves were black and only what it's. And I, I just busted all these myths. And this was back in 2005. I mean, Answer Me started. I was one of the first to be canceled with the rape issue of Answer Me, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, they got some blowback. They lost Puma UK. as It was like an $80,000 a year ad contract. There, were, there was, you know, how could you say this shit? It's like everything in the article was factual. But Gavin contacted me and said, hey, can you, when we're going to put it online, can you go defend it? I'm like, sure. I did get one thing wrong. I got the date wrong when they started sending convicts to Australia. Because nobody knew that they sent convicts to, to America for like 60 years. And they could only send them here. They could only send them to Australia after... The revolution and they were no longer allowed to send british convicts here but i got the date wrong but none of the meaning changed so i took on every you know you're you're a racist woman beating it's like you know i've heard all this shit the only thing now is they don't care that i'm racist just the woman beating and the the blow jobs and everything else but so anyway uh i was squeezed out of vice uh, because of this and gavin eventually was too i remember he told me well i think he has a no no uh nda so i'm not even going to bring it up but uh, then I went on my way. I, I worked a square job for a few years, but um, he uh, he started a, a, after he got out of Vice. He started a, a 
a website called streetboatersandtvcarnage.com. I wrote articles there. I edited and proofread for a while. In 2010, he brought me on tackymag.com, and uh, I wrote for them for 10 years. And then when uh, <laughs> Tacky's daughter, uh, when COVID started, she was going to, you know, pay people less and kind of, and like, and I found her to be an insufferable, dumb, rich twat who couldn't spell. I mean, then if, eugenics aren't absolute guys. There are a lot of fucking dumb, rich people. But he said, well, why don't you do a show on the network? And that was three years ago. And I, I did one with a co-host for like uh, 42 episodes. And I'm now on like 125, 26 of the hardballs, the show on censored TV, which is behind a paywall, which is the only way we, we get, you know, he's able to afford Right, bang people and stuff. Yeah. Now another. So that's, that's one question. Yeah, I'll, I'll go on for like an hour. And no, that's fine. I'll, I'll just, try to. I'll just let him go. Um, another question from Kay versus Jim. Thoughts on Kensington now compared to when you lived there? I, I never lived there. I'm from Clifton Heights. I lived. Uh, I lived in West Philly, about 15 blocks from where the the black mayor dropped a bomb from a helicopter on that black nationalist compound. I lived in Center City, Philly, for a while, but I was a cab driver to put myself through college. So Kensington back then, it was always, and this is the Philadelphia accent that I kind of, you know, I, I spoke like this when I was a kid. It's especially in the O's, Jim Goad, Nose, Adobe, Photoshop. It's the dumbest fucking accent in the world. But Kensington was kind of this joke, you know, it's like, these are the most hardcore white dudes. And it goes back into the 1840s. There were, there were riots between the Irish and the British over some kind of Bible. There were Catholic Protestant riots in Kensington in the 1840s, but it was always known as this really hardcore white, air, poor white area. And in 1970, there was a book called White Town USA by something Binzen was his last name. Kensington, uh, Kensington Avenue, which is where you can look up Kensington on YouTube. It's going to take you straight to Kensington Ave Avenue, biggest open air drug market in America, maybe the world now. People are just dropping dead of fentanyl and horse tranquilizer and everything. But this book, White Town, USA, Kensington Avenue and Fishtown, you can tell just, you know, Kensington, you can tell they're poor neighborhoods. But back then, like it would be east of Kensington Avenue, which is where all the poor whites lived. Then and, and the Rocky movies, a lot of where Rocky lived is filmed yeah. in Kensington. And uh, but you go on the other side of Kensington Avenue, it was the Philadelphia Badlands, the, the Puerto Rican neighborhoods. And those were always the worst neighborhoods, worse than the black neighborhoods. Even, even in, in New York, like in the 70s and 80s, the South Bronx, which was primarily Puerto Rican, that was the worst neighborhood in all New York City. But it was the unofficial racial dividing line, Kensington and then the Badlands and then North Philly, which just goes on forever. And it's like really vicious, violent, gnarly, feral blacks. But anyway, to answer your question, I do remember one story because K&A, which is basically Kensington and Allegheny Avenues, there's a, there's a subway stop there. It's actually the L. It's elevated. It's not underground there. It is in other parts of the city. But uh, I remember, because the, the drug that the poor whites did back then was crank. It's crystal meth. But I remember always being like almost shocked by this. Two moms got in with their kids, or like five or six. And I, you know, take us to 22nd in Lehigh. But they're talking, yeah, last night, Joey cut out these lines of crank. And, it was, and they're saying this shit in front of their kids. It's like, wow. But also, we also had a fondness for Kensington Avenue because uh, down at Kensington and Lehigh, Frankfurt and Lehigh, and then it switches over into Kensington Avenue. There was a place, it was like a, a roller or roller skating auditorium yeah. called the Starlight Ballroom. But there was a show by the punk band, the Dead Kennedys. I didn't go. Um, 
but there was some beef between the Philly punks and the DC skinheads who came up to start trouble. Once the Kensington dudes who had these mullets and were missing teeth and were shirtless, even in the winter, they, they caught wind of this. They went in and cleaned everyone's fucking clocks. They just, they just like cleaned house and got the punk rockers and the skinheads out of Kensington. But now it's the thing that's changed is Kensington is multicultural. Now it's not strictly segregated to poor white Puerto Rican and then black. It's a rainbow of people dying of fentanyl to answer your question. All right. Now there's a comment here. If you have super chats, send them in powerchat.live slash the Ralph retort. I'm monitoring all the, um, says, a this is from base France says, Ralph, I'm like 15 minutes behind. This is a while ago, but he said, but, uh, chupa me verga means suck my dick. He said, and then he said, uh, peace to Jim goad the philly legend uh and there's another question uh from anonymous uh said for jim what's your view on the current state of temple university i don't know much about what's going on there i do remember it was weird because that's where i went to journalism school and since i'm so stupid and so low iq <laughs> at the time it was the sixth highest rated journalism school in the country and i graduated summa cum laude and the the teachers in the magazine journalism department selected me as the outstanding graduating student uh the thing was it's in north philly which i've described like five minutes ago is this fur just this wasteland of crump like every other building is crumbled and just the nastiest gnarliest blacks this side of maybe baltimore but i don't i really don't know what's changed because i haven't been there in a while all right now i have some questions uh about some of the the puente stuff uh thoughts on yay 24 and nick's failure where did he screw up the worst Hi, I'm not going to reveal sources, but someone says that uh, he was intent. Someone told me that they feel he was and someone of note. That's all I'm going to say that they feel he was intentionally set up to destroy Kanye. Now, my friend, Sean Tejirachi, who's got he was the one who knew the chick that I beat up and he went down with me to get the restraining order against her. This guy is simultaneously the funniest, smartest and noblest person I've ever known. But on a on twitter and rolling stone selected him like back in 2010 2012 was one of the 25 funniest people on twitter he said kanye west is so dumb he probably needs another brain under his balls just so he can walk i always thought he was kind of an idiot and yeah, this is all speculative conspiratorial but i think i've always had a joke oh this person gives anti-semites a bad name <laughs> I think it was a setup to like, cause Kanye already, I mean, even Barack Obama said Kanye was a jackass. He did that whole thing with steps. He was clearly an, un, an unhinged guy. So I think it was a setup to make, to destroy Kanye and to make anti-Semites look dumber than a lot of them are. Uh, now we, we talked about, um, Maybe you could touch on a little bit. Well, let me skip that question because we talked about it a little bit earlier. But uh, thoughts on Fuentes' rhetoric on the age of consent? I don't know if you've uh, seen that, where he's basically been waging a war uh, against the age of consent. Um, well, what's he want to lower it to? <laughs> well, he settled on 16, but he said basically when when girls start menstruating, it's good. Uh, if they're old enough to bleed, they're old enough yeah, to breathe. Yeah, yeah. If there's grass on the pitch, I mean, it's time to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's, I mean, I'm saying this is a guy that, uh, like I revealed earlier, I was 51 when I took an 18, barely 19, almost 19 year old girl's virginity. 
That's I've a much. That. That's pretty fun, actually. I have to say, but yeah. I mean, it shows what a stud you are, actually. But uh, I mean, these guys don't like that because it's gay to have sex with women. But I never really understood because the thing is, and this is going to be my own controversial opinion. I remember, and this is Catholic school in the '60s and '70s, grade school. All the kids talked about was sex. I don't know if they changed or if there's less testosterone. They put saltpeter in the water or something. But kids were very aware of sex. I mean, an adult coming by in a car, hey, Johnny, we're like, yeah, that's fucked up and should be a crime. But I guess the disparity, 18 and 16, because I there was this uh, kid in prison we knew. You know, we called him Robert De Niro because he kind of looked like a young Robert De Niro. He was 19 and his the girl's dad got pissed off that he was, he fucked his 17, didn't rape his 17 year old daughter. It was his kid's girlfriend, but that's technically statutory rape. That's insane. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, you know, it all depends. It's, it's weird that well, it's an upset. I mean, why does a guy who doesn't have any kids has never been with a woman? Why is he even into, into this? Yeah. I I, you know, I thought, I thought about that and he's talking about, he wants to be 30 and have a 16 year old bride or 30 and have a teenage, even younger bride. And it's like, to me, of course it's sick. A lot of the stuff he's saying, but it's also almost cover for his gayness too. Right? Like it's like, is he, you know, trying to throw yeah. people off or what? But yeah, uh, he, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, I'm not, I, I'm going to plead agnostic on that because I was a That's 51 fair. year old with an 18 year old. Yeah. I, mean, I think, I think some of these laws are insane, but it's, it's a weird thing to make. A, I was a 35 with an 18 year old. So, you know, yeah. I wasn't quite there, but uh, yeah, it's, you know. Um, whenever I hear people say, well, that's so sick. And this now I have to demure again. Uh, now thoughts on Barrett's and Beardley. I just think it's hilarious that like, <laughs> cause during that, that seven hour Luke Ford live stream, he's like, no, I'm married. He showed me his ring married 10 years. It's like, well, you're traditional, right? But you haven't had any kids. That's a little weird, but, uh, just, you know, all, you know, if you're watching, I'm sure you are. Cause you're all like clout whores and attention. I'm looking right in your eyes, little Beardson buddy, and I'm laughing internally with clownish glee that a woman that ugly dumped you. It's tough. Uh, beyond Nick Fuentes, do you see any hope in the Gripers or the America First movement? Is there anyone redeemable in that group that you know of? Uh, it's, do you see any future funny. there? Movements in general, I think, I mean, what I'd be pushing for is just white people to realize you're white. And they're always, I mean, like I said, like in prison, you know, you're white. After the L.A. riots, blacks would make try to make eye contact with you. As far as like, you know, the, the aspirations to become president or the idea that 21 year old, you know, eight to 21 year old virgins are going to lead the nation. I think that's kind of delusional. And a lot of people have commented that it operates like a cult. The slavish way they take orders from this guy is really fucking creepy. And I'm someone who, you know, I was at my young teens in the 70s. And I, I saw the Hare Krishnas and the Moonies and the, Unif and the uh, Symbionese Liberation Army. The one that I wish, like, God, I, the cult that I wish that I ran into, because I was in a hardcore Christian phase in the mid-70s. And, you know, I was like 14, 15. You're horny as fuck then. But there was this cult called the Children of God, and they did all kinds of fucked up shit. But the thing that I thought was cool was they sent hot young girls out, and they would recruit you by fucking you. And I, I'm going down to Center City, Philadelphia. I'm like, where are these girls? Like, I'll, I'll join this cult <laughs> just to get some pussy. 
But uh, I, I, I had this sense that things were unspooling. Things have unraveled, you know, over the last 20 years. I thought that the, the 2020s were going to be a lot like the 70s. And the, people were just losing hope and, you know, searching for meaning in these weird cults. And I think they kind of qualify as one. The, the way it, it runs is eerily like that because they won't listen to logic. They, they're, you know, nothing more dangerous or pathetic than someone who's convinced beyond all reasoning that they are on the right side. They'll do just, I mean, what's it? They'll rape and die and kill for him. It's yeah. like, I don't think he cares about you guys. It's really strange. And, and, you know, they create like pop propaganda stuff like you'd see for Kim Jong-un or somebody like that. Uh, and the whole idea that there's going to be some, you know, Catholic leadership of the United States that's going to take over things and institute some type of Catholic monarchy is the most retarded thing I've ever it's heard. It's delusional. And it's, I mean, if America, first of all, which America are you talking about? Because there was one Catholic who signed the Declaration of Independence. They didn't really start coming in numbers, I, I think, until mid, late 1800s, yeah, yeah. Right after the potato famine. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, again, I, I, first 16 years of my life, I was raised under that shit, baptized Catholic, confirmed Catholic, 12 years of Catholic school. I know the insides and outs, but since Catholics were brought up, here's another thing. Uh, my high school, Cardinal O'Hara High School, I estimated ballparked it they're probably just based on the number of kids at that school the faculty because it was lay teachers they're the ones who get laid and mm. i think they had, they had some nuns, but it was mostly priests. i think there were about 20 priests there there are five that i know of and this is the seven well i guess it was 10 years after vatican ii so i know five that i could name that were defrocked for touching boys so it's always, it's bitterly ironic. Oh, well, we're the ones who are going to take rid of the degeneracy. So clean your own fucking hamster cage first, and then we can talk. By the way, I went to Catholic school myself, although I'm not Catholic. But, uh, yeah, I know the ins and outs there as well. I'm in Mexico now, so there's a lot of Catholics here too. But uh, also there was a super chat uh, from Homo Trollis. He says, I grew up in Frankfurt and boxed for 10 years in Kensington. Kensington. I went to UArts, Philly, and Temple. Uh, he nice. said there, shout out to, to Homo Trolls, Master Trollius in the chat. Uh, all right, now let me look at some more of these uh, questions. Uh, what do you think of Cozy.TV? I know you talked about that a little bit too. And I don't I'm know aware if people of... noticed, he did a stream today and it was Rumble exclusive, which, I mean, if Cozy was killing it, why are you doing that, right? Like he, he can see the writing on the wall himself, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm aware of it. I know that, you know, some people I know and like are on there. Anthony Cumia and Pat Dixon. I like Pat uh, Dixon too, yeah. Yeah, uh, Pat Dixon lives, you know, just up the road from me up in Chattanooga. And, uh, but, you know, most of it, it's this weird cult-like, cock-obsessed, suit-wearing, Catholics in name only, you know, kinos, I guess, like Catholics <laughs> in name in name only. <laughs> Uh, and that's, that's about all I know about it. In, in the article and video I did about them, I just noted that it's, it's traffic had gone down like 18.7% or something in the last month. So maybe it's, it's folding. Uh, I mean, if somebody wants to form a business and successful, I, I don't really have any feelings either way. But, uh, the reason I mentioned that in my article is I know he's so obsessed with, you know, winning and winning. It's like, well, you're losing. And, you know, cause he came out, well, you're not popular. It's like, yeah, that's, mostly by design maybe it's just you know I, i'm too weird to appeal to most people that that's fine too i don't like them either but since someone goes for the jug you're not popular it's like well you're not as popular as you used to be 
he'll lose sleep for a month over that alone. <laughs> now, uh, let's see. Th these are um, off topic from Fuentes, but I have a lot of other questions here. Too. That's great. That's great. I mean, you get, it gets tiresome. The thing yeah, is, I'm, yeah. the idea that I'm cloud chasing, it's like I wrote an article that had nothing to do with him. He started this. He picked this. He talked 20 minutes about me. I did an article about him. And he talked two hours about me. And it's enough. But, you know, if he thinks he's got the skills and the wit and the logical aptitude to go in a moderated debate with me, where, like I said, the first part is just keeping it civil and sticking to the rules of debate and talking about the subject that started this. And then the second half is just flinging insults. That'd be cool. That'd be great. It'd be good to see, too. I mean, it used to be all about the content. I mean, okay, well, I can't think of too many things. I'd rather see more than that, right, uh, in this scene. Uh, so, I don't know. He's cucking the content, to use a term that I've heard recently. Now, um, now this is kind of a shit stir. Uh, shout out to the chief of staff. Outside of Nick Fuentes, who on the distant right needs to be called out the most? <laughs> if you want to answer that. <laughs> Let me. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anybody that really annoys me. And and again, there's just like, can we come up with a less gay term than dissident, right? Yeah, like, it, yeah. it just it sounds kind of pompous, and you know, well, I'm a dissident. I'm I'm bucking the trend because, I mean, because they got rid of alt right because everyone decided it was bad branding or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if you'd be considerate, but uh, <laughs> I don't know much about him either. I just know that he used to be a rapper and now looks like Pee Wee Herman in a suit, and uh, he Stu. has weird uh, Stu. Stu Peter. Stu yeah. Peters. We've been ragging on him lately too. He's his show is insane. It's like Alex Jones on psychedelic drugs or some shit. When you watch this show, it's just yeah. uh, it's another it's, galaxy. But for the for the most, I like to stick uh, to ideas, and I, I don't consider myself part of any movement. I just you know there's overlap, so I wind up you know being dragged into stuff. But uh, I mean there there are some funny people. The the thing is like Anglin's a really funny writer. I. It, I wonder why he peddles some of the shit he does and if he really believes it, because he's changed so much over the years in the shit that he believes. Daily Stormer was so anti-optics and suddenly became optics. I don't know. He was one of my but best I'm, friends, actually. Uh, and when all this stuff happened with Fuentes, we haven't talked. We talked once after, and we haven't talked since. Uh, so he was one of my best friends in all this, actually. Yeah. Uh, but it's not somebody that needs to be called out. It's just, it's just curious. There's some weird... Well, he gap. threw all in with him, and, you know, he ain't going to back off of it. And well, I guess when somebody gets that into it, you, it's like, because if you pull out of it, it's like, okay, were you an idiot then, or are you an idiot now? So, I, And I don't know, what didn't wasn't he on the same list, uh, the, the French guy who committed suicide? That, uh, yeah, that guy sent coin? me half a Bitcoin, too, actually, okay. on that list. Um, now, he sent Fuentes, like, quarter of a million dollars worth of Bitcoin or some shit. Mom was like... Yeah, no, I'd, I'd only be speculating, and I'm not the type that just throws out unsubstantiated, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I, I didn't wonder. even know I had it for two weeks, and then I checked my thing on Christmas Wallet. Eve, and I was like, what? This must be a mistake, and it wasn't. And so I sold it, like, immediately because I thought I was like, this got to be wrong. Uh, but, yeah, for some reason, I guess because I was in those circles, he left me a half a Bitcoin. So. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, so I thankfully, the I'm... feds never investigated me or anything over that. They used that as a... Uh, pretext and of course Fuentes you know there's some questions about I'm trying to think if there's any kid like because it is a good question and I'm I'm drawing blanks and not that I was calling out Anglin like I said I, I get yeah, credit to the guys he's, he's a funny writer he writes great headlines and sometimes he writes really good serious essays too but I there's something there's a piece somewhere that it doesn't well he was a friend was, of mine I still wish him the best I like I know some people went in on him as part of all this anti-Fuentes stuff I haven't 
Uh, he said some wild shit on my show during the summer when I wasn't in my chair. Uh, I don't support that, obviously, but, um, you know, he's still an old friend of mine, even if we're not friends uh, talking nowadays, and I still wish him the best, honestly. Uh, but, you know, it's a different path, so... Um, Let's see. Okay, so I don't know about this case, but the chief of staff does. What is Nick Bugas's Bugas? I think is how you said that. Bugas, yeah. Uh, what's his cultural relevance to the modern right? Is there anyone on the right who's had their memes and imagery more commonly repurposed? Well, this is the thing too. If you want to talk about pedigree, I mean, Nick was one of the uh, the chief artists. He was basically the third goat on Answer Me. He did the cover of uh, Answer Me Number Two, front and back covers. He did the cover of an Answer Me anthology in uh, 2005. He did the cover of the recent one that's hardcover, gloss. He actually, fuck, because Answer Me finally, after, God, it was first released in 1991 through 94, finally we got a hardcover edition, glossy paper, all, all the original innards, like the covers were colored, but all the insides were were black and white. Nick colorized most of his drawings, most of other drawings, like, Beautiful edition that you can get at jimgo.net, but Nick was behind that too. Nick is one of these people I can't even think of a bad thing to say about. An absolute prince among men. I've known him for, yeah, I met him in 92. The only time there's ever been static between us, and I say this all the time people ask, is when I've tried to pay for the restaurant bill. He's Greek, and I've, known, I've seen this in a couple of Greek people. They, they're absurdly generous but they don't want you to be generous in return. Like they, they get kind of almost angry. It's, it's, I've never seen it in anybody but Greeks, but yeah, there's Nick's fantastic. Chief but relevance, was, I mean, but he's, I mean, it Chief was great job. telling me he drew a certain uh, merchant meme. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, but, this uh, is one of these for legal reasons. Cause right. Was, don't uh, say, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it was, uh, cause Buzzfeed, I mean, they, they did an, an article about this and Joe Bernstein, the same guy who yeah. like got Sam Hyde taken off of adult he swim or whatever. Too. God bless. Anyway. So well, he, he, you know, I, I didn't talk to Joe Bernstein, but Joe Bernstein started carping. I made the mistake of talking to him, by the way, with yeah, my ex-wife and he wrote a whole hit piece and he's like, just talk to us about this guy and, uh, you know, it'll be fair. And they launched Buzz, BuzzFeed News with this hit piece on me and my ex-wife right. and she couldn't get over it because she'd never been pilloried like this in public and she yeah. was just getting dragged everywhere and it like helped well, ruin my marriage, quite Ber frankly, my first one, yeah. Bernstein made the mistake because, uh, like, I didn't talk to him, but he did this whole art article about Nick. But Patton Oswalt, that me and Nick used to hang out with That's before Pat, yeah. Patton went, yeah, uh, <laughs> he started hectoring and hassling Patton Oswalt. Hey, you know, why are you so quiet about the fact that you used to be friends with the KKK's house cartoonist? And I think, yeah, I've revealed this before. I think Nick sued BuzzFeed because he's never had anything to do with the KKK, and they, they gave him a small settlement rather than take it to court. Yeah, and that was on the list, too, about BuzzFeed. And the funny thing is, the next question uh, was about Patton Oswalt. Now, how did that fall apart? Okay. <laughs> These are great stories. I'm not sure how much time you got. But uh, yeah, that's fine. Answer, me, answer Me was the first issue didn't do much. But like and a lot of these things, these people don't understand. Like Your fame comes and goes because it's just the accidental timing. The second issue of Answer Me, which was all about mass murderers and serial killers, hit when Jeffrey Dahmer was a huge story. The third issue was about suicide when Jack Kevorkian was a big story. So uh, by the time the third issue came out, we were, you know, micro celebrities, but in that tiny world, we were, because like, let's face it, Fuentes is known 
most people he could walk down the street, they would have no fucking idea. But in a tiny, you know, he's a superstar. But Pat, you know, and in this zine world, which predated the internet, most people being online, uh, it was where you would take your your little, you know, DOS computer produced magazine and get it printed up at Kinko's and staple it and send it out. In that zine world, we were the alpha dogs. And Pat Oswalt was an unknown comedian. But the thing is, Answer Me had always sold out. And the first three issues had sold out. So I got a letter. And some of the youngins there might not know what a letter is. It was before email. <laughs> it was on paper and they'd have ink on it. And sometimes it'd actually be in handwriting. But uh, it was from Pat Oswalt. And he said, hey, I'm a local comedian. And I have, you know, Answer Me 1 and 3, but I don't have number 2. We hadn't done issue four yet, but I have this big book of tumors, like it's from 1917. It's all this medical book with these disgusting tumors. And since you have all this gory imagery, like I thought maybe if I could get a copy of whatever issue he was missing, we'd trade it. I said, sure, come over. And I gave him our apartment off Hollywood Boulevard and he showed up. And one thing about my first wife, she was she was strange with what she'd get mad at. For some reason, she took offense that this no-name comedian wanted a copy of our precious magazine. I had this wicker coffee table. She came in, she kicked it over, and Patton's a little guy, and he's he just looks fucking terrified. She's like, I hear you're a comedian. Make me laugh, clown. Like terrified him. But he, you know, I got the book of tumors and I used a lot of those pictures in the rape issue of Answer Me. He got his issue of Answer Me and he scuttled away. And then when the rape issue was done and we went to pick it up at the printer, he said, There's a comedian who's doing a, a routine about meeting you guys and i figured out who it was but then i didn't hear from him until after i got out of prison he said hey i'm that guy i'm like oh hey and he was on a forum with me and nick bugis and sean tejirachi and a couple other people like lasted from like 2003 to 2014 and i mean even in like 2000 okay here's something okay after that this this took tremendous balls on Patton's part i give credit where it's due uh, after that BuzzFeed article came out about Nick and that implicated Patton, Pat, like a week later, Patton was coming through Atlanta to do a show. He invited me and Nick out, paid for dinner, and he had me take a picture of him and Nick and he put it up on, on Twitter. But as the, you know, things have changed, things have gotten so politically insane that Here's, I think here's one thing that the extremely online kids don't realize. There used to be a time when people really didn't give a fuck about your politics because politics were for nerds. As long as you weren't an asshole to them, like an, now an asshole is someone who disagrees with you about politics. Back then, some an asshole was someone who, you know, ate your French fries when you went to take a pee at the <laughs> restaurant. You know, it, it's totally different. But that was ballsy. But then he kind of just, but it was around that same time, 2015, he, the New York Times asked him, like, who are some of your favorite satirists? And and he mentioned my friend Sean Tejirachi, who is a he's a comical and he's the one who said Kanye probably has a brain under his balls so he could walk. Genius graphic designer, hilarious guy. He mentioned him. He mentioned me. He said, you know, buzzsaw writing style, you know, precision. But then he just it was it was uh, the eve of the Trump election where he'd gone, he was fan. He was a fan of this Chapo Trap House yeah. communist podcast. And he, we did this interview and he just denied that the, that Hollywood or the press was left-leaning. And I mean, last I, 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 shared, I emailed him back when he, <laughs> there was a, it was so cringeworthy. He wrote something about Dave Chappelle 
and he had a picture of himself writing this thing you know i can't support this yeah. comic i've known because and it's like oh Patton, like what happened you know, is it just you know was it the the trauma of losing your wife was it just you wanted more money i, I don't understand it but Look, if somebody wants more money and they want to disassociate themselves from me, it's like, okay, that's just, that's a different person. No, no hard feelings. This changes. Uh, now let's see. Okay. A couple questions. That, those are great stories, by the way. Um, thoughts on the national justice party. I saw somebody in chat wanted me to ask that too, but it was already on my list here. Do you know anything about the national justice party or I know it's a guy, the guys from the right stuff and, uh, the daily show and, yeah. uh, I mean, back when I was interviewing all these guys, like 2018 I, or 2017, I, no, it was 2018 that I had Mike Enoch because uh, I filmed it here. I, I bought my house in uh, May of 2015. It was on July 4th that I interviewed him. I had Alex McNabb on separately. He'd been on here. Al Alex McNabb, to his credit, uh, he got into some scandal in Virginia. For being an a, EMS guy and then they... But being a racist. Was, yeah, but yeah. like what was cool that he... he uh, in his courtroom, and there were pictures of this in the press, he's there sitting in his suit, you know, at, at his desk, reading my book, The White Whiteness, The Original Sin, for the cameras. So that's cool. As far as a political party, I mean, I know they do have, uh, they go protest things, you know, about anti-white crime and stuff. So that's cool. Political parties, I'm not sure if it's symbolic. I'm not sure if they have hopes for it actually becoming something. But uh, I don't know that much about them. But uh, in my interactions, they've been cool to me. So... Can't say anything much beyond that. Now the next question: Could you recommend dating Jewish women? How have your flings been uh, on that regard? Well, I'm not sure about like what was the first part. Since I recommend dating Jewish no, women, no. Could you? Could could you recommend it? It depends on the Jew. <laughs> uh, my first wife was Jewish, which might be what made me an anti-Semite. <laughs> I mean, just would never stop complaining. But uh, I don't know, maybe it was just the influence of Hollywood when I was a kid. Some of my crushes were like Carol Kane. She was on the sitcom Taxi. She had the frizzy. I like chicks with frizzy hair because yeah. I like a big, big stinking bush. And the frizzy hair kind of reminds me. She had the dark circles on her eyes. I like that. Madeline Kahn from Blazing Saddles. She played Lily Von Stupp, the, uh, yeah. the, the Teutonic tit willow. And she was in Young Frankenstein, too. Come here, you sexy monster. I thought she was hot as hell. Uh, dated a Jewess after prison. Uh, she was she was a firecracker, but, like, volatile. Like, it's like, I mean, like, there are patterns, but sometimes I know that individuality is a, it's a curse word in some of these circles, but it depends on the Jew. I'm sure there are great, happy Jew chicks. And they tend, I'm not sure why, they tend to have big fucking tits. That's true. That's very <laughs> true. Uh, the Kazar Melkers. Now, can you explain the story of a cow named Jigaboo? A cow? Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I wrote about this like two months ago, and I do have a Rumble channel, and uh, there's I did yeah. a video for that one too, and it was I think at the Wisconsin State Fair, and someone noticed it was like it was I forget the full name it was something Jigaboo. You know how they have these you know AKC style like three names for because it's the lineage yeah. and it was like jig jig something and they and they just put it together and I, i'm pretty sure the people that named this cow didn't know the jigaboo because like when was the last time you heard that it's like an old 50 school. Yeah, old school racial slur but it became this giant fucking scandal and never you know the white guy who discovered it he became a saint for reporting it 
But then, you know, because I'm trained in doing this shit, I tracked down the Wisconsin State Fair in like 2011, 2010. There were roving mobs of black people just picking out white people from the crowd and beating the shit out of them. But it didn't seem to cause as big a scandal as the cow named Jigaboo. And that, that's pretty much the story. A cow named Jigaboo. That sounds like an article title itself. What happened at the brawl in Montgomery, Alabama? Okay. And it's, I mean, this is something because it, it happened with me and it happens in these recreations, these dramatized versions of what happened in my life. It's not even so much what they talk about. And sometimes they mangle what actually happened. It's the shit that they leave out. Now, you might remember six weeks ago, two months ago, sometime over the summer, Montgomery, Alabama, there was this hubbub. There were some white people in Montgomery. Montgomery's like, that's where a lot of the civil rights shit happened. That's where uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center is located. But there was a dockside dispute. They had one of these paddle boats with like hundreds of, you know, patrons on it. And there were some white people drinking and they had a boat or two maybe. And the, the boat captain who was white, he's like, okay, move it. We got to pull in. And they, they, I think they might've flipped them off. I'm not sure. But, you know, and, and I was, I wasn't there, but from what I could piece together from everything I could find, they, they, a black, he looked like Al Sharpton before he lost weight, came over and he started like arguing with him. And you can see him like, he's not being gentle. He's gesticulating and swiveling like a bobblehead. And joking like, and jiving. Yeah, yeah. Joke, you know, shucking and jiving and acting a fool. And uh, <laughs> But uh, somebody punched him. Somebody just, one of the white guys ran up and punched him. He, he like did the bat signal, took his hat off, and he, he squared off. And then like one or two more white people like ganged in, uh, jumped in. And then all of a sudden, like when the boat finally came in, it was dozens of them and the and like they'd obliterated the whites they outnumbered them but the thing that was really sick about it is they took steel folding chairs and were like smashing people in the head with it and it became a whole meme like they were doing you know like like the gold chain but with a folding chair and it became but even the press it's like you know finally after all these years of abuse and, you know, the blacks, this was a, a defining moment. And, you know, it's great that it happened in the birthplace of civil rights. It's like, no, they fought back with excessive force. It would legally be considered excessive force. And I don't think any of the blacks and the blacks, I mean, hitting somebody over the head with a steel chair could be attempted murder in a, in a yeah. sane jurisdiction. But they just they just arrested the white people. And that shows how fucked it up, how fucked up it is these days. It's just like the woman I mentioned, Sharday McDonald in Portland. They tried to give me 25 years for hitting a bitch back while driving. She waterboarded her baby and put it in a freezer and got 30 days. The, like justice. I mean, I, I I would rather have AI or you know some kind of robots do court hearings because me too. The the bias is just fucking insane. And it's like the, the the idea that two wrongs make a right. Well, we'll just you know be unfair to the white people because it's like. That's that's why things are so fucking sick, because I, I, some people are going to hate to hear this. You know, I live in Atlanta for the time being. There are some cool motherfuckers like, hey, how you doing, Captain? You know, like, you've, I'm sure you've met cool as shit black people, but I think there would be tribal differences anyway, ultimately, especially when the shit goes south. But a lot of this is manipulated by the powers that be to get us at each other's throats. And it sucks. But the whole idea that justice, I mean, justice, I've always found is a really dishonest word for revenge. And it wouldn't bother me as much to say, no, well, you know, it's our turn. We're going to fuck you up. It's like, okay, at least that's honest. 
So that's what happened in, at the Montgomery uh, now, Riverfront race, right? You mentioned the KKK earlier, and you did a video on it, and they took it off Rumble. So maybe whatever you did there, maybe uh, snip it. It was it was Vivek or Vivek Ramasham Ding Dong or whatever that guy's name is, the uh, the Hindu guy, the brown boy that's like running yeah. for president as Republican. He compared something to the Ku Klux Klan, and then somebody else compared something to the Ku Klux Klan. So I just did an article about how hyperbolic this is, but the the thing that I really dug into is that because, uh, you know, it's, it's America with three K's until the last 50 years. It's just a clan rule. The clan was always unpopular. Uh, they, they were put down. They were even unpopular in the southern press. And they were just put down like dogs. The, the, the original clan only lasted like five years during Reconstruction. But if you look into the history of Reconstruction and what some of the which ones are the scallywags and which ones are the carpetbaggers carpet are the ones come from think, north yeah, yeah. the scallywags okay. are the southerners that uh, the southern with. traders yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but some of these carpetbaggers they were saying like uh, i would if i had it was up to me i would drown every rebel man woman and child like like you know some biblical character drown the pigs in the sea of galilee it, they were like genocidal toward whites and since a lot of like the ex-rebel soldiers were forbidden from voting they had all black and they were all Republicans, all black Republican legislatures. And they're passing laws. You had to tip your hat to black people. You had to get out of the way on the street. And fuck, hey, if I was black and I'd ex-slave, I'd want to kill people too. I mean, it's understandable, but this shit was being stirred up by Northerners. And so the Klan was essentially, it was like the IRA or the Black Panthers. It was a self-defense league. And over the year, but like it was put down every incarnation. The, the, the weirdest clan was like in the, I think it started in Stone Mountain, like a half hour from here in Georgia. Stone Mountain's like this big granite. The geological term is a monolith. It's like the third biggest in the world. The biggest one is Ayers Rock or Uluru, uh, that big orange rock in the outback in Australia. But you got to give credit. And Stone Mountain has, still has carvings of uh, Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and uh, Stonewall Jackson. And it's bigger than Mount Rushmore. The carvings are actually bigger. But as far as political theater, I mean, 9-11 was pretty good political theater, like taking out those Twin Towers. But the Klan used to have cross burnings on top of Stone Mountain just to scare the shit out of every black in Atlanta. <laughs> That's good political theater. But uh, I think Indiana, like in the 20s, like... At some point, like I think, like one in every five American males, like was was in the Klan, but it wasn't the most violent one. And then, you know, and there's no official, like there's no office. You can just, it's like Antifa. You can call yeah. yourself the Klan, and if you wear the white robe, like there wasn't that much organization. And then, like the Klan in the 50s and 60s with the bombings and the most notorious. But uh, it was basically, but the idea that the Klan ever had the press, the widespread press support that say Black Lives Matter had is, is insane. That's just not true. Now, let's see. Could you explain your theory on boomer hate being a psyop to encourage younger generations to abolish Social Security? Well, that's, yeah, well, good question, because that's my hunch, because here's what happened is the boomers, I mean, my dad, I guess my dad was born in 1920. I'm not sure what that would make him. Silent generation, probably. Great, greatest. Yeah, greatest generation, I think. Yeah. Greatest generation. He fought in World War II. Yeah, great generation. He, I mean, you know, he, he paid his taxes, uh, and, you know, we were promised that Social Security, yeah, we're just going to get benefits on the way out, and, you know, I've, I've paid taxes all my fucking life. 
But I think it was Clinton who allowed it, allowed he, or was behind some bill. And this is why I said, because I am trained, like I say, I think I won't put my neck out on there because you look like an idiot. Sometime in the 90s, they allowed the, the feds or con to loot the Social Security funds. And the money's not going to be there. My ex-mother-in-law around the, what have been around? 2010. She turned 62 back then around the same time my brother turned 62. My brother's like 13 years older than me. And they could have taken, I think, 1200 bucks a month uh, at 62 or wait till 67 and got 2700 bucks a month. They weren't, they, both of them were so, they had so little faith in the U.S. government and that there wouldn't be, a, they took the 1200 bucks. But you hear about the shit with the day of the pillow. Oh, you know, let's go just smother them in nursing homes. We're not going to pay for this shit. Why should we? We didn't. It's like the government stole the money that the boomers paid into it. But so they're manipulating younger people because the government's not going to be able to pay for their health care. That's that's one of the reasons. And I think it's also a psyop. It's like, well, you know, if you get all white people together voting for a particular political party, we're fucked. So get the younger Zoomers angry at the boomers instead of the people who are pulling both of their strings. And if you want to say it's Jews, sure, there are plenty of Jews involved, I'm sure. Not all Jews, but like I'm open not to that topic. Too. Yeah. N-A-J, not, not all Jews. <laughs> I'm sure there's a Jew somewhere that's that's nice. But, are, you know, just elites, oligarchs. Now, uh, you know, I was just going to say, continuing on to Social Security, what, what do you think its relevance is to like white well-being and, and, and that uh... – Thing. I, I mean, I mean, if I was economic, economically more savvy, I wouldn't have to work as much as I do. Uh, Same. Right. But one thing about these pure capitalists, it's like they're the ones who wanted immigration and cheap labor that's wrecking the country demographically. If we do, I mean, it's one of the and it's something you could argue back and forth all day until you're blue in the face. Yeah, I understand. The, and I said in this slobs versus snobs article. The most fucked up people I've ever known were either people who, who lived on handouts in some way. Either they got it from welfare or they got it from their parents. Like when you ask nothing of people, that's exactly what you get. So they became lazy and drug addicted, but they were like very rich or very poor. Those were the most fucked up people I've known. So when, weren't the Groypers all on the Yang train for yeah, a while? Yeah, they were. With, with uh, universal basic income. And... I was against it at the time because, I, like I said in my experience, being given shit for free demoralizes you. But on the other hand, automation is going to make everybody, podcast, everybody unemployable. Like it's, you're going to have, there's going to be, you know, robot stream that's going to put you out of business. So what do you do? Just let the machines take over? I don't know. There might have to be some sort of universal, you know, at least feeding and housing people. Just but, keep you know, killing each other. But they, they want, I mean, clearly they want chaos as a distraction and everything else. But one of, you know, I might be one of the few people say, I don't fucking know. But, you know, here's my opinion. I think part of the problem with people screaming about politics online is they don't know either, but they hate to admit that they don't really have a solution. Maybe there isn't a solution. Maybe that's part of human nature, thinking there's a solution. And it's just, it's maybe, to, maybe we're just too fucking dumb, you know? Thoughts on the UAW strike and should whites support unions? Uh, I mean, I, again, like they, it's, it's, you know, Henry Ford bought it, brought in the blacks to bust the white unions, but somebody brought in machines to replace the workers. I'm not sure how necessary 
auto workers are at this point. Uh, as far as unions, I think it was FDR who uh, he said he's for unions except government unions because people don't, you know, taxpayers don't vote on that shit. And that's that's prone to more corruption than. But I, I, I'd like some sort of state where we're not all diverse and not all not you know divided, even you know people of the same ethnic lang- linguistic background. That might be a fucking pipe dream. It might be like you know too big to fail. It might it might be too big to work. Any solution. I think part of the problem is thinking there's a solution. It's just it's wishful thinking. It's what the Beach Boys song. Wouldn't it be nice? If we all we all were fed and you know healthcare, but I mean I, I you know at this point in my life I see plenty of doctors and all of them say healthcare is what made I mean insurance is what makes healthcare more expensive. I don't even understand that, but I'll take their word for it. It's it's all again. You can ask me any question. I'm not sure I'm going to have the answer. That's fine. No, yeah. I'd rather have an answer like that than somebody just you know. Sometimes yeah. you get somebody just says some bullshit right I'd, uh, you know I, I take that stance too if i don't know something or have a strong opinion just don't bullshit uh by the way if you have any super chat questions send them in powerchat.live slash the raw tour killstream.live slash tip check you all that stuff rumble rants because i'm coming up on the uh-oh he, d- he dipped out there i'm coming up on the last few questions now we'll see if we get to them uh i think that was an accident but We'll see. We'll get him back in here, hopefully. Been a wide-ranging interview so far. It has been a couple hours, but I hope we get him back because I had like three or four more questions that I wanted to ask. Uh, Let me see here. We'll see. I think he might accidentally close the tab. Let's see. Oh, there he goes. Yeah, what's up? I was reaching. My my mouse was running out of uh, juice, and somehow I... Yeah, it happened. Disconnected myself. That's cool. I was, I was just telling them we're, we're coming up on the uh, final little tranche of questions here that I have. So if they have any, send them in. Uh, it's been a really wide-ranging interview so far. Uh, now let me go back here. Let's see. Uh, as white people, how can working class and upper classes of white people become civilized? Civilized? Or not I mean... civilized. No, sorry, I misread. Collectivized. Sorry, sorry. I think it's I think it's going to naturally happen, uh, especially if it's a, uh, you know, becomes a minority because it's relentless at this point, the anti-whiteness for the time being. And this is what I said in the snobs versus slobs article, too. Like, why do all these guys in suits who, you know, have mansions and, you know, places in Malaysia they can escape to? Why do they even care about this shit? Because it is the poor white trash and the dysgenic, smelly hillbillies. They've always been the one that have to deal with the brunt of diversity with, you know, the hostile blacks moving into the neighborhoods. But I think maybe shit, it might have to take shit getting so bad or maybe a lot of, you know, maybe they'll they'll have some and they'll enact some shit or CEOs have to give up their job to maybe when they feel it in the pocketbook rather than like a punch in the face, maybe they'll they'll. But I mean, it just it should be obvious at this point. But you're always going to have turncoats and traitors and snitches and everything else. But uh, I think that the sad thing is it's not podcasters or writers. It's hard reality that's going to change people. That's usually what it is, honestly. It takes some uh, hard knocks or some uh, dire straits uh, for that to come together. Now, here, coming up on the last few here, how is substance abuse among whites, such as drinking or opioids or maybe Xanax, a little reference to myself there, more normalized than with other demographics, and how has substance abuse harmed whites and their culture? 
Well, I just, uh, funny you should ask, because I just did an article, because uh, it, was, it was somebody wrote about how, you know, these poor hillbillies, they're, you know, alcohol is one of the problems, and that's actually been a stereotype, but I wrote an article today for Countercurrents. Uh, going, yeah, we played that. Yeah, yeah who's, uh, who drinks more, the rich or the poor? And every study, England, you know, Europe in general, the United States, every study was that the rich drink significantly more than the poor do. Uh, you know, and, and when you're on deadline, I was going to just make it all about substance abuse, but there's so many variables and shit and you have to parse through all this shit. I just didn't have time to do it. Uh, I, it's hard to see like with the opioids. Well, what people are actually, you know, they've got, uh, spinal problems where they need painkillers. I think a lot of people would agree that the Sacklers are fucked up and fucked up a lot of people. They definitely fucked my brother up. Uh, I wonder sometimes if the fentanyl crisis is China's revenge for the the opium wars, you know, that uh, Britain waged. And they pacified the public. They pacified the Chinese with opium back, I guess, early. I'm not sure exactly when the opium wars were. But, yeah, they're pacifying the public. I've said for years, I said the, the two most fucked up things that have happened to the country over the, you know, since the year 2000 were the mass dosing of antidepressants and painkillers. Because my brother's one. My brother, god damn, like he he had some flip out on Ambien when he was staying with us. We had to call an ambulance and the cops came too, and the cops asked me to look, you know, at his prescriptions. He was legally prescribed four Vicodin, three morphines, anti-anxiety, anti-dizziness, antidepressants, muscle relaxers, and ambien. And I'm probably leaving out one or two things legally. The way I, I think that legal drugs and alcohol are in a way more insidious and more fucked up than the street drugs is that, well, at least, you know, it's, you know, at least pure and you're not going to get something. You, but since it's legal, it's okay. But so many people are fucked up. But uh, whites specifically, whites, and this was a surprising thing in the article I did. Whites have higher rates of alcohol consumption than the feather Indians. That surprised me. That's, yeah, but that's one of the... I mean, I think that's what the English used to pretty much tame the Irish or fuck the Irish up was alcohol. And as far as I know, there are different genetic predispositions to alcohol. Asians don't can't handle alcohol and don't drink much at all. So it's one of those things. You know, I think the people, the powers that be wouldn't be in power if they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. That's so, true. That's a uh, very good way to put it. Now I have a super chat before I get to the last couple here. Um, I see a super chat from uh, Handsome Crayon Gav in the Rumble Rants. He says, hi, Ralph. Hope you're having a good day, brother. I am. And I had a lot of fun during this interview. It's been a while since we've done a, a nice long interview like this with somebody like Jim Goad. And, you know, it can go anywhere. We're talking about Patton Oswalt. We're talking about Answer Me Advice and all this stuff. Nick Fuentes. Blow jobs. Yeah, blow jobs and, you know. Should you bang Jews and all this? Like it could go anywhere, uh, and I, I love that's, that. That's type. that's the real JQ right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, his super chat was for Jim. He says, "How long do you think it would take you to beat Nick Fuentes in a bare knuckle boxing match?" That's a little. <laughs> uh, not. I mean, here's here's the thing. Like, because uh, that's a, you know the thing. Oh, your age. It's like really. Let's fight. You know. <laughs> One thing about me, I've got no formal training. You could saw my right arm off and I'd be just as effective. And, but goddamn, do I have a left, like crazy left. I've knocked at least 15 people down. None of them women with just one shot from my left. Uh, I could, I could easily, I mean, as far time, I wouldn't estimate, but I don't think I've, I've seen him throwing his, yeah. his oh, little sleeve. 
Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it would be, it would be easy. like this. It's like a woman, basically, like a, or a gay yeah. guy. Uh, now, there's another. Before I get to the last couple that I have, uh, Anon in on Power Chat says, "Ask him to do a Norristown accent," and then he said, "Great show. Thank you for that." Can you do a Norristown accent? It's all. I mean, I don't think they're that specific. The the real the regional accent that I call the Philly the Philadelphia accent, and I'll just slip into it. And I, I did like an episode of Hardballs two weeks ago. It was a guy from uh, Delaware County, which is where I grew up, right on the Delaware border. And he's got the same short accent as they have in Kensington or Croydon. It's known as the Tidewater accent. It starts about halfway down in New Jersey. Like you get, you filter out the New York accent. And when you're around Asbury Park, it turns into this Tidewater accent. It goes down because the Baltimore accent, which is 95 miles south of Philly, is almost identical. You look at those old John Waters movies like Mother, I'm going to go to Detroit and join the auto industry. <laughs> and it even God, there was a fucking great. Uh, you ever see the documentary Heavy Metal Parking Lot? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, God, it was it, all it was was they filmed the dudes like it was 86, like the height of metal in America outside of Judas Priest concert in Largo, Maryland, which I think is like Southern Maryland, almost Virginia border. Actually, live in after midnight, rock into the dawn, you know, heavy metal rule. Like it's, it's the same fucking accent. You can't sound intelligent with it. Like people say Southern accents make you sound dumber, but like no, nothing makes you sound more dumb than the Philly accent. But it's, it's all basically, the, I can't really tell the difference. I remember, <laughs> I was only been in Europe once. It was 85 and live aid was happen, happening in Philly. Oh, yeah. And uh, and uh, I was in a bar somewhere and like it came through. And I hear this dude talk. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't get away from that fucking accent. <laughs> Europe. Oh, I've been there once. Tries myself. Now, um, how can whites support each other through substance abuse? That's kind of picking up on our last question there. But I, I mean, as far as habits, my, I mean, I, my dad drank a fifth of whiskey or scotch every day until a year before he died, he went to, to like a, you know, an alcohol farm to dry out. And a year later, he was dead of colon cancer at age 59 part. You know, I'm not sure exactly what killed him because eating meat and potatoes and no fiber can give you colon cancer. Alcohol, if you do enough of it, can give you colon cancer. Uh, but he was proud because unlike his father's, you know, his father, like, you know, he, he at least paid to feed the kids. Uh, my brother was, a, was bad with alcohol and then he got in a car accident and he gave up the booze, but went on painkillers and did the list of things that I told you about. I, when I grew up, like alcohol was something uncool. That's what the, the squares who liked Frank Sinatra like drank, but then along came animal house and it became cool again among teenagers. So I started drinking, I drank, started when I was like 18 and man, not the guy to drink. I, yeah. I drank, drank a ton. I got in, I would wake up and look outside. It's like, why the hell is my radiator outside the car? It was there, you know, and, and my friends would tell me, you don't remember smashing your car into the group that, you know, car that was filled with passengers and driving away, laughing, but not I'm like, no. And so I, you know, but like a lot of the rage that I have is like an alcoholic father. And, uh, I woke up in jail. I was, it was, I was just short of my 21st birthday. I never drank legally. I drank a whole bottle of tequila that was so cheap. The cap was a red screw off plastic sombrero and a, and a quart of cold 45. What they tell me is that I got into a fist fight with two cops. I woke up in jail. They fucked me up, but I never drank again. The good thing is I never really was tempted, which um, a lot of people are tempted. I, I can hang out with drunk people and all I'll do is get annoyed because 
trust me, you're not as funny <laughs> to a sober, sober person. Nothing you're saying is as funny as it seems to you. The only thing I really had a habit with was weed for a long time. Um, off the weed, I don't even do. I mean, I mean, at the age, I want to live for spite, and so I don't even do caffeine at this point. I drink wow. de- decaf coffee. But addiction is is uh, is fucking vicious. And uh, I mean, some people do it because they're bored. Some people do it because their lives are painful. But it wrecks people. Uh, but again, like the thing is, how much is personal responsibility, and how much of these? People live in circumstances of despair where it's like, well, you know, oh, you're dying. You know, you're you've got liver cancer and you'll be dead in the air. Fuck, I'd go on heroin. You know, who the hell? <laughs> so it's it, it, you got to take it in a case by case basis. And you got to think about things like the opium wars and whether China is su- supplying the precursors to fentanyl to Mexico to bring it here as, as revenge. It's not just one solution. Well, if we all pull our subs up by the bootstraps, it's like, shut up. Like, but it's it's nasty. And, uh, you know, I generally don't. Don't hang around addicts. Uh, but I mean, the, the thing too is the uh, one. The one thing when I'm researching the uh, the alcohol article, the only thing I could find that the poor did more was smoke cigarettes. But I, I, when I was a kid in the '60s, there was such heavy anti-cigarette propaganda because you look at movies and TV shows from the '60s and before that, they're all smoking. Nuns are smoking and shit. But uh, there was really heavy anti-heroin and anti-tobacco. Uh, I mean, I tried tobacco and it's like, what's, I don't get the buzz. It just tastes like smoke in your mouth. I did heroin twice, snorted it. Uh, real quick story that I was with this girl. She was one of the original suicide girls. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I know. She was one of the original six, gorgeous girl. We were in a movie together, an independent movie where I kill her in the movie. And we, we all were in different parts of Manhattan filming the movie. And the director gave us each 20 bucks to, you know, take a cab back and, you know, she's like, you want to go down to Alphabet City and get some heroin? I'm like, okay, went in Rome. So we went down and there's this Puerto Rican kid like near, you know, Avenue D. And, uh, you know, he pu- pulls two little bindles, $10 bindles out of the socks, gives it to us. We go into a deli. We take turns in the bathroom, cut out a line on the, the tile. And I snorted it. And we walk outside and I'm like, wow, maybe there will be no World War III. Maybe the races will get along together. Maybe, and wow, that that is one adorable little rat crossing the street. And good God, it's the most beautiful broken glass I've ever seen. And I remember like I went back like, and I dropped her off. I wasn't seeing this girl. My girlfriend, a Jew, she was in London, but I stayed in her apartment. And I'm thinking, well, I could jerk off, but this is nice enough. I fell asleep and I threw my guts up the next morning. The second time was in Chicago on the Hank three tour in 2007. And I just, I didn't get much of a buzz and just felt a little dizzy, but I mean, I tried Oxycontin. I don't understand. I, the drugs I liked were like weed or uh, mushrooms where your consciousness was altered. Just speed uppers and downers. It just, they're kind of just, they're just tweaking your, uh, you know, your frames per second pretty much. But I as never, far as, you know, I never done heroin, but I've done a lot of cocaine uh back in the day and i got to yeah. where it, it was it's only good when you first start doing cocaine the longer you do cocaine uh it's not good um but yeah yeah weed was i mean i just recently stopped smoking weed um but yeah that's always been my mainstay now i'm trying to cut everything out except cigarettes because i've 
they chill me out. Like you said, it's really nasty, kind of, right? It's smoke in your mouth, but it does give you, it, it like mellows you out, particularly if you got a lot of shit on your mind and all this. And if you're trying to stop drinking, it's like, okay, I'll have a cigarette, kind of. It's, and it's one of, the, one of the hardest to kick, too, because yeah. from what I know, as far as like the relapse time, it's the worst in the world. Like nicotine yes. is like a half, half hour, you need another one. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm already thinking about smoking another one now. You've seen me smoke two or three while we've been here, right? Like that's. Yeah. that's I can't see you right now. Am, oh, uh, you can can't see, me? see uh, yeah. Oh, you might not be able to see me. Oh, wow! So you've done this whole yeah. thing without ever, seeing me. Ever, wow. There we go. No, no, I did most of it until. Oh, I you up. could see me uh, earlier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So there I have a couple of super chat questions here, and then my last question. Uh, Righty Toddy says, "Do you have kids, or if not, do you mm -hmm. ever want them?" Or do you have any advice? Or in addition, do you have any advice? Uh, I'm a father of two under five right now, and I won't t talk about any children I, okay. that I have yeah. for reasons, but go ahead. Okay, yeah, I've got a 15-year-old son named Zane. And uh, if you can look, I've got in my book, The Bomb Inside My Brain, there are two stories about him. And you can always also find these articles online. One is called Ten Commandments for My Son, and one is called Combat Training for Toddlers. When he was born, I mean, his mom, it was a cesarean and his mom had to be wheeled away to be stitched up. And I just held him in my arms uh, in this little room with one of those like incubators where they kind of like where they roll the hot dogs so just to keep him warm. And I was singing to him. I, you know, his little fingers held my finger and uh, just making up songs and cradling him. And I won't get into it just because he's my son. The reasons I, I filed for divorce. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's all too fucking heartbreaking, but he's someone I would murder somebody, you know, for, for fucking with, uh, it's, it's that strong. That was something that Forney brought up and told a bunch of fucking lies. And Hey, like if there's a good lawyer, I'd, I'd really like to get his ass for some of the shit he said about my son. Uh, yeah, but he's, he's right here in Georgia and, uh, that's about all I'm going to say because you That's know right. how these mother yeah, motherfuckers. Yeah, I know. Are. I know how it goes, and I won't talk about my stuff for reasons, like I said. But uh, it is a precious gift, even if you're not in their lives at the moment. Uh, no, I am. I mean, he's. he's well, I know only, you are. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, no, it's, pain, I, it's pain, yeah. painful as hell. And the, the hardest decision I ever had to make was was to leave. But I'm not going to get into any more details. But I wished I couldn't. Uh, yeah. That's fair. But yeah, um, Forney did this whole thing about how I abandoned him to, you know, fuck strippers. And, you know, and I, he said I beat my, you can actually, yeah, uh, on my YouTube channel, there's an, an inter, I interview my ex-wife and she's denying everything that Forney said. I'm like, do I see him? She's like, you see him two, three times a week. I'm like, have I missed any child support? No. And like, am I a great dad? You're a great dad. But this is how sick some of these people are just for internet, for clicks and, you know, and, and they're posing as righteous, but it's like some of them are the most warped motherfuckers there are. And that's just, and maybe that's why they have to be so dishonest about it. I mean, yeah, I've done some fucked up shit, but I won't lie about it. Well, and again, um, they'll absolutely use your kids against you and all this. I don't have to tell you. And it's um, it's happened to somebody that I know. Let's just put it that it's way. Vile. Yeah, it's vile. It's, it's yep. pretty fucked. Um, uh, let's see anonymous. And then I'll ask my last question. He says, Jim, what, what's your thoughts on beaning it up now that you might not know what that is, but that's a video nah. of beards and, and they've cut it and it's, it's like a song about him. I'll play it after you leave. If you turn the stream on and you can see it, uh, but you're not, I mean, I'm beaning it up. I'm not familiar with that, but I just, I do take delight. And the fact that he's going to be a lonely little boy 
fading into obscurity for the rest of his life. And probably, you know, the the Mexican Fuhrer will turn his back on him, like oh, wow. eventually happens with everybody else. He's probably, you know, he's somebody compared him, we were talking to Igor, like oh. you know, like Dr. Frankenstein's yeah. like he's the hunched <laughs> little assistant, like slavish assistant. Yeah, but I don't know about Beanie. I mean, it's tragic when you put it like that, really, because that's absolutely what's going to happen. And you know, but he's such cool. a he's such a little fucking punk that I, I don't, you know, if he was hit him. by a truck, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd laugh. It's hard to feel sorry for him, but that's absolutely what's going to happen. And, yeah. and you know, I told that story earlier about Fuentes. You know, like don't take pictures in public. He's talking about Beardson uh, in the picture, right? Like you're embarrassing us. Like that's how he really sees Beardson, right? Uh, and Beardson thinks, you know, he's this guy who showed Fuentes the way and weekly sweat was all this and that. And you're not like, it's just somebody that Fuentes picked up as a, you know, got to run interference for him and be one of his little slaves. So, uh, and that's one reason I was never in the inner circle over there. Cause I really didn't try to be. And also even when I was, you know, going to bat for him and attacking his enemies and stuff like that, um, I still had my independence, right? I was never just like slavishly this or that. And I still had guests on that they didn't like sometimes. And I still had a little bit of independence and they don't like that over there at all. So. One thing real quick I wanted, wanted to mention, it, it, like I was already off the first time I did your stream off it. And I hear that I'm somehow responsible for the, the split between you and Rand. Well, no, that was one of the early things, though. But we we had a big row over that. Uh, later on, there's it's separate from that. But you were on, and so I used to drink during the stream fairly heavily. But I would keep it together, especially when there's a guest on, and I enjoy doing interviews. This is one of my strong suits, I think. And Rand is a huge fan of yours, you know that, and he was really excited to talk to you, and. So you had, you had no idea who the fuck I was. And I think that was part of it. He thought like you weren't. Well, no, I knew who you were, but I wasn't, what? I knew who you were, but uh, I, I didn't know everything about you. Right. And I didn't know all your history, even tonight. Some of these questions, like I didn't know all that stuff. Uh, and you know, chief of staff and, you know, help put all that together. And some of my knew, right. But like other stuff, it's like, I'm learning here on the interview. You don't have to know everything about somebody to have a good interview. Matter of fact, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's better if you don't, uh, because you're learning along with the audience. Well, Rand is like a super fan of yours, which is great. Like I have no problems with it, but he was on the stream and he was super shitty drunk and he was taking over the segment, right? Like he was taking, and I'm really prickly about that. You notice earlier, I just let you talk for an hour straight because it's not about me. It's about the guest speaking. That's my interview philosophy that I stole from Larry King, really. But uh, you, you let the guest speak, right? And so he was really- so I'm, I'm picturing you and Larry King yeah, like sure. at the same frame. That's, yeah. that's the, the picture there, yeah. But you know, you you let the guest speak, right? That's my philosophy. And it's not Rand's philosophy. And he was really drunk and I think he was trying to it's uh, we we're like blood enemies now, but to give him a little bit of credit, I think he was trying to show his knowledge, right? And and you know, show out a little bit for you since you were there. Well, he, to me, he was ruining the interview, and so I muted him and I had to mute him a couple times and then he got mad and quit the stream and then went and fired up another stream while I was still on air with you on D live. And he starts dropping all these slurs. Now at the time I'd got him reinstated back to D live and I'd went to bat. I was like, bring him back. He'll be good. You know, I'll vouch for him. 
Well, he goes on there and starts saying N-word this, N-word that, K-word this, K-word that, and, and talking shit about me, too, while I'm still in the air. And so I didn't take too, too kindly to that. But that wasn't the original reason. There was things that happened down the line. We made up after that, and then it's very poisonous now. But, uh, but yeah, that was, one of the, that was one of the things there, yeah. But, I mean, I, I hope, and I, I got it. I want to just I don't want to get you prickly here. But I hope at least Rand, and I don't, I mean, I was interviewed by Worski. I've never met PPP, but I, I hope at least what unites us, I think we, I don't even name, name, need to mention the name, but I think we're all united in the disdain for that, that one little. I think that's true. Yeah, okay. I think that's I mean, true. I, me and being the peace, peacemaker here. You know, um, it's really poisonous between us. I wouldn't expect uh, a full piece uh, or anything like that. But, um, you know, Dingo, I don't know if you know Dingo, but he's a friend of Rand's, and he came on here the other night. Uh, at the end of the day, Dingo's kind of like, well, it's a fellow white, basically, right? Uh, and we've had our fights, too. And he came on, and we had a great show the other night, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and, you know, I don't. I don't hate Rambot. I don't want to see him dead or his family destitute or anything like that. I'm trying to get, you know, I've been in that place before and it's not good for your soul. Really. It's not good for your mind. And I, I don't, I don't want that for him. Even if he wants it. For well, me, that's, that's so. all cool. Cause I've come close to death a few times and I mean, you can, you can fuck it up enough where it's irreversible, but yeah, you, you know, can. And not, yeah. I'll just say that publicly about it. You know, I don't, I don't wish him, you know, me me as the peacemaker is, is kind of a hilarious <laughs> <laughs> but i'll say that and i don't know what he'll say i'm sure probably some negativity but uh like i said i'm trying to let a lot of that stuff go and get back to doing it'll, it'll kill you and, yeah you know? it's just not good and it it drove me down in other areas of my life holding on to that hate and and you know, thinking that's a good thing and you got to be this way. Right. You really don't. Uh, I will, and, I will quote the, the most unexpected source. You know, if they they got something smart to say, Nelson Mandela, they said like hating someone is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. It's exactly what it is. And yeah. you know, for the longest, I thought that was just the way to be. Right. And it fueled me in certain ways, but it also, oh, yeah. it fueled me to wreck my relationships to, and I'll sure. fuck myself up and you know it just po it's literally like it's, it's what you said it's drinking poison on your own and thinking somebody else is gonna die and you right. have to let it go and it doesn't mean you know you can't joke around or still have some type of beef or whatever but like that driving like hatred um and it can fuel like i can feel it now even oh, thinking yeah. about it but sure. it's it's cancer and you don't want that and it's taken me a while to get to that place but uh i don't i don't wish any any true ill will on him so i'll say that um now the final question here how do you radicalize working class white people who may not have the time to look into how they're getting screwed I mean, I don't want this to sound like a dodge, but um, like I said earlier, like with other things, like with the rich, it's going to be, I mean, we, you know, we're all, you got to be some kind of egomaniac to think that you, you deserve putting yourself out there, whether you're writing or on a stream or something. But the shit that radicalized me was just, like I said, the, the black staring at me after the Rodney King riots or, you know, being robbed by them in Philly. Like, I think it's real life. The white working class, you know, the first time the guy loses his job to somebody who's less qualified, that's all it takes. 
And as far as radicalized, like, hey there, partner, let's talk about it. I guess that's that's where you come in. But I don't think most of them are going to be receptive until they actually, you know, feel it in the purse or, you know, they, they have an actual real life negative experience because otherwise it's all kind of a video game, you know? Well, and it's kind of what you said earlier. Um, you know, it may take some drastic events or some type of it's or some type of catastrophe on a wide scale some type of massive right. or something like that yeah which which sucks i'd rather you know you'd be able to convince people but i, I don't think that's what's going to happen yeah traditionally that's not what happens now we covered every question which we had a lot of them so i thank you for sticking around a little bit longer uh and we went into you know a lot of stuff that fuentes was lying about and cleared the air on that and we talked a lot about him and his bullshit too so i think this was one of the best interviews uh that we've done here so i really appreciate you taking the time and, and sticking it out and tell people where they can find you where they can buy your books tell them where you're streaming tell them where you're writing and all that stuff Cool. Uh, jimgo.net for the books. You get them signed and delivered for the cover price. Censored.tv, uh, Gavin's website. He's also got Elijah Schaefer on there, a bunch of other people. That's uh, it's 10 bucks, I think, a month uh, or 100 bucks a year. But if you use the code GOAD to subscribe, you get a, I think, a 5% discount. But it sends a signal that you want to keep me on the network. Uh, and I write two, two, uh, uh, two articles a week for Countercurrents. And those are great, by the way. We've been going Thanks. over those the last couple of weeks, and they've been fire. Uh, and the one that Fuentes spurred out about was fire, too. Uh, and then the one you dropped on him was just like an all-timer, honestly. That's, I love a good hit piece, and that was just uh, it was right in the zone. He should have, like, it shouldn't have just been, I mean, but it's the, 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 one of the points, too, is like, again, yeah, okay, compared to him, I'm a nobody, but this doesn't matter to me. But you picked a fight with the wrong bulldog. That's That's the problem. Thank you, Mr. Bulldog, for coming on the Kill Street tonight, and I hope to have you on again sometime soon. Cool, man. All right. Tip of the hat. Take care, fellas. Thank you, sir. You take care, too. Jim Goad here live tonight on the Kill Stream. It was my pleasure, uh, and hopefully we can get him on sometime down the line. Thank you, sir. No, right, man. Uh -huh. There we go. Round of applause. <laughs> Thank you, Wesley. Thank you, Rocky. Oh, I really enjoyed that one. I don't know if you could tell. I was in my element. I was in my element there. And shout out to the chief of staff. Because I can do an interview without uh, a whole prepared uh, set list. And I do most interviews like that. But uh, a lot of his questions were just so on the Now, some of the stuff, you know, the first hour and, and me feeling around and, and falling up and stuff like that were all me. But um, he really added a lot of meat on the bones to that with some of his queries. Uh, and I have to I have to just say that on air because he, he really helped with that. Now it's up to me to go out and put it into action. But he he really helped with that. And so I want to give him his, his propers on that. Uh, that was great because I think it was still would have been good, but it, it went to the next level with his questions on it for sure. Uh, and thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, I see some people saying it's one of my best. Thank you, Artax. I, I have to agree, honestly. I don't want to toot my own horn, but, you know, when you think about, you can feel it. Uh, yeah, I will clip it out for sure. Um, but you can feel it when, it when it's in that upper echelon. And, you know, I, I, I think we've had some good interviews lately separate from that, but <clears throat> that one was like, 
top cut. And you can always feel it uh, when it's a top cut. Thank you, Ada Wolf. You've hit the stride with these interviews lately. Well, I'm getting back into the habit. And, um, you know, for a while I was fucked up, honestly. Um, you don't, I didn't lose the skill, but, um, you know, you just you get out of the mode and you're watching stuff on here. Not that we won't still do that, and we did that for a large part today, but I love doing interviews, and I, I think that there's a humanity that you see in an interview that you don't really see um, from just commentary, right? Um, there's a humanity and there's a connection that you don't get if it's a good interview, if it's really, you know, deep, you don't get it from, a, you know, watching a debate. Not that I won't do that. You don't get it from watching a video. You don't even get it from a five-minute interview. You get it from a hour, two hours, two and a half. Those are the are the really deep cuts that that can resonate, and for me at least. So I'm speaking for myself. So. Uh, Super Chat from Handsome Crown Gav, he says, Gutted only caught the last part of the interview, was still very compelling. You are a master interview, Ralph. Great work, host. I think you know how to make me smile. Thank you, Mary Jane and Chat. Thank you, everybody there. Kafer with the big support tonight as well. Ada Wolf says, Form is temporary, but class is permanent, Ralph. Keep up this vein of gold you've been striking. I really appreciate you saying that. And um, uh, I won't get choked up, but um, everybody knows it's been hard lately. And uh, it's not likely to get too much easier, as I said last night on that front. Um, but I've really been trying to do some good work. And some days it's been hard to come out here. Uh, I won't tell the whole story, but... Uh... Anon sent $5, my casino sub expired. And after watching these interview killstreams that have a nostalgia, I don't Thank think you. I'll resub. Still don't like you. Thank you, and that's fine. And... I good choice by the way but it's fine not to like me <laughs> you know there's some great interviewers that uh that i would watch i didn't really like the people <laughs> the interviewer right like the host but uh, i enjoyed their content and that's you know i hope some of you like me but it's not about that at the end of the day uh it's about the material so you know musicians i don't <laughs> I don't necessarily revere them all as people. Uh, I like their material. Um, so I, I really do appreciate the kind comments, but I, I'll just say this, and I shouldn't say this, but I woke up today. Waking up these days is the hardest because I wake up with all this shit on my mind. And again, I did a lot of it to myself, most of it. But I woke up today, and I, I knew I had a big show, but I didn't feel like doing a show. <laughs> And I slept later. I slept about 20 minutes later. I kept hitting snooze and couldn't go back to sleep, but I was just laying there. And finally I was like, I got to get up. Like, I have to get up. I have to do this. I've got Jim Goat on tonight. Like, I can't, I can't shirk my duties. And so I got out here, and it, it turned out. It turned out. So um, there have been several days like that because, you know, not easy uh, situation, but um, you you have to just persevere, and I won't get too I won't get too mushy or introspective, as the chief of staff would say. But I say these things because um, I, I think people can identify with that 
right? Um, and people who are listening, no, they don't all have an internet talk show. They don't all talk to Jim Goad for two and a half hours and do all this crazy shit that I've done in my life. But they all have to live life, and they all have to go through it in one way or another. And maybe some of them are going through it. I know they are because I've talked to them, going through it in some similar ways or have gone through it in some similar ways. And that's another thing that I think resonates and connects with people is you know, honesty about the struggle and the struggle is life <laughs> and we're all struggling in one way or another. And we talked about rich motherfuckers tonight. You know, I, I'm not a fan usually of rich motherfuckers, but they're going through it too. If you're living, you're going through it in some way or another. And that's the human experience that we all share and not to sound too rainbow coalition-y, but uh, it's true. It's very true. Cag Mike for five, and the Rumble Rant says, I missed most of it, but we'll be watching the replay after. And, yes, the replay will be up, and I hope uh, some of you who who missed it uh, do that. Uh, Adelwolf says, for a dollar, he says, sometimes when I'm having a really hard time, I find it best to just throw myself into a project of work because at least that's one thing I can control. My work ethic, you always find your stride. You'll always find your stride. Yeah, and... Um, Honestly, it's keeping your mind busy. One of the things that fucked me up in the first place was dwelling on things, obsessing on things. I couldn't tell you how many times the chief of staff, even recently, is just like, stop, Ralph. Like, you can't control this. You can't control that person. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't know how things are going to turn out. Just stop thinking about it. Because all you can do is you. And all the things you've done that you wish you didn't, have to deal with, you wish you hadn't done, you can't take that back. And you just have to live with it. And that's a hard reality. But um, you just have to, you have to live with it. And don't punish yourself because you know you fucked up. You know, deal with it. Hope for the best. Try to do things that'll make things better. But, you know, you have to, you have to persevere and you have to work on yourself and work on your show. Those are the things you control. He's like, you know what you need to be obsessed about? I won't say what I was obsessed about, but I, I'm sure people can probably guess. But uh, he said, you know what you need to be obsessed about is the kill stream. <laughs> Ralph, you need to be obsessed with the kill stream. Will you just stop? <laughs> I couldn't tell you about all of our conversations, but. He's like, you need to be obsessed with this fucking show. <laughs> and so I've tried to uh, internalize that a little bit. But when I get off air, some of these things creep back in. And it's like, Ugh. So the show is, is healing for me as well. And I've seen some people say it helps them get their mind off this or helps them get through that. Well, it helps me get through, by God, and you wouldn't even know. It's an insane level of help getting through. Yeah, it's keeping your mind occupied, really. And James Gardner's right, too. What's done is done. Just keep going and have fun. Have some fun. That's right. And Jim Goad, um, I don't know if you could tell, but we're, we're cut from a similar cloth uh, in terms of, you know, just putting it out there and, you know, telling stories that, that not many not many other people would tell. And, you know, just being real 
and for better or for worse. And, uh, you know, he said a lot of things that resonate with, with me. And no, I'm not a super fan like Rand. I don't know every detail of his career. Um, but the more I've gotten to know him and talk to him and heard him speak about things, I'm just like, yeah. That's I see a lot of myself there. Now, yeah, I would consider him as a writer for sure uh, above me. But that's another thing that I aspire to do is publish a book. I'm working on that too. So, yeah, I have a, I have a lot of respect for him. And I'll say this, um, and I should have said it while he was still here, but I want to thank him because, you know, I, I got on an anti-goad path, and it was mostly being around those faggots over there. There was really no reason for it in the first place. Uh, and he's always been a good guy to me and always been very kind to me. And that was one of the few examples of somebody I started up with <clears throat> for no reason, right? And I've done some dumb shits going at people, but usually it's something that they bubbled up for whatever reason. Maybe small, it may not be worth it. But usually there's some cause of war there in the first place, but there was none really there. And I just did that as an idiot and uh, I wrote him an email uh, I guess a couple weeks ago now and I was like man you know I apologize for that let's just you know I, I'd like to I'd like to bury the hatchet there and, and have you on the show hopefully and he was very gracious he wanted to talk some off air and we did and um, it went really well I, I thought the interview would go well especially after we did that and so uh very kind of him and and very um it was mighty white of him to use a phrase that uh that i used to hear in the household i'm sure it's considered racist now but uh it may have even been considered racist then uh but um yeah it was it was mighty white of him very classy yes that's right when he showed some class uh, Cartman says, Ralph has been like my Carson, the narrator of many of our nights. Well, you don't know how much that makes me smile to hear you say that. Well, read you say that. Hear myself say it. Uh, okay, I'll stop. What are we going to do now, though? I know. Look at Chief of Staff. He's right. I'll just read that out on air. He says, I was trying... <laughs> I was trying to get you to email him a month before even the Fuentes drama, too. Glad you two made up. Yeah, he was. If I would just listen to the chief of staff, I would have a lot of things that I want now. But I'm hard-headed. I know that's a shock for long-time viewers to hear, but I'm very hard-headed and I'm very stubborn, and I can be very stuck in my ways, and I can just know that I know best. And like we were talking about with what it's going to take to get white people to wake up, well... Usually it takes something really bad. <laughs> it takes just getting hit upside the head with a fucking shovel, and it may get you may have to get hit upside the head thirty or forty times in my case uh, to like really get it. And it's like okay, maybe I need to listen to some of these people who are giving me excellent advice. Maybe I need to stop drinking, like for real. Maybe I need to you know try to steady the ship before I crash into the fucking iceberg. And completely destroy myself. Uh, so it takes me a minute, but I usually do. Uh, I usually do figure it out. Thank you, Percy Cassie. I did say I was going to bean it up. I wonder if he's still watching after I went on that. 
slightly self-indulgent maybe, but I wanted to talk about my philosophy and also just some personal stuff too. I, th I think that that, you know, it separates me from most of this bullshit that you see around this parts of the internet, to be honest. And it separates Goad too, because he's the same way. There are some others, but, you know, you, you watch a lot of this shit and it's just completely low IQ. It's completely cotton candy. There's no real resonance there. It's here one day, gone tomorrow. And in your ear, out your ear. And I think one of the reasons I, I have more staying power, even in the face of just insane scandal and tragedy and embarrassment to be honest is I'm, it's i'm pretty real with the audience at the end of the day and I, I like talking about these sorts of things so i know chief of staff tries to cut that a little bit too but i think that's one of my strong suits now it's time to bean it up and then i'll search and see if i can find some more keem stuff uh-oh, is it time to Beans beat it up? Here, AKA Enough! Evans, the Bulldog, Enough! The Enough mushy bullshit! No! Oh, wait a minute! Oh, Matrolli has sent $10. You know Good night, Ethan. Good night, It's sir. all the way up from here. Love you, brother. Ralpha Mania 2 is our next objective. You're coming to Philly. Am I coming to Philly? I'll have to do so clandestinely, but, um... Clandestinely? Whatever. Um, but yeah, I would like to do... I would like to do a Ralph Mania too. And we were going to do one, then that fell apart, of course, because of Cisco and all that shit. And you know what? I think that that would be a triumph if we could do another one. Now it's time to beat it up! Thank here. you, Trollius! The bulldog of the movie here. The loner incel doomer hetero gamer. I'm about to spit bars for real, for real. Trailer park style. Hit it, Dalton. Being in that. <laughs> being that 12 year old bitch. Being in that. <laughs> being in that lesbian. Bean in that goth girl, hitting that bean, jumping in that bean, bean? thumbing that bean, coming that bean, Dalton, drumming that bean, Jew, drumming that bean, weed? Wilhelmina getting licky. It's peanut butter time. Take her to the bean, beaning her some sausage. Lick. I seen Tomahawk Llama trying to outdo me in zoophilia. What the? Done with this incel shit. Where's that goth chick at? Weed? Put that on my ex-wife, nigga. Jew in this bean. Nigga trying to get some single mother estate. Got rejected. Can't trust no bitch. What's the pros and the cons of this next whore? Wasn't beating around till I was in my trailer. In my 40s, streaming on Omegle. Found a 12-year-old. Ain't gonna skip. Getting horny. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, bean it up. Bean it up. Bean it up. Bean it up. <laughs> I was seeing my ex-wife in Dalton. Mad at myself that I wasted my time on Omegle. Dalton's wife had no idea what we did on the way to Chick-fil-A, and niggas want to play both sides. Is you gay or you bi? A lesbian could mix my mind to decide. Fuck around and fuck that Daltroon. If they mess my Chick-fil-A up again, I'm going to shoot All right, myself. let me check the end. Open that dwarf door. Finna gonna order. I'm too small to reach the counter. F this. I'm too small for this world. But my bean says otherwise. About to become a monk after I bang this goth chick. Gonna live rest of my days beating it up. I'm beating Oh, wow. Up. Yeah. I'm beating my dog. Yum. I'm beating all on Omegle. Weed? No one's gonna stop me. Yeah. Uh, bean it up. Bean it up. Bean it up. Bean it up. Weed? Bean, bean, weed, 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 we
So we got a couple different options. I just kind of saw this. Weed? Oh, really? Let's see.